0: I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Cinema Wheeler Tay. It's uh, Sean, Tony, and Scott, as per usual. Hey, guys. Hey. And we're uh, here with uh, uh, and Sabrina. Did and you Sabrina, hear Sabrina and Sabrina is here with us.
2: It's been a while since she's been on. Yeah, it
1: is. You yeah, she's our part time. You know, our
2: <laughs> featured. Yeah, she's our featuring. She's a uh, featured player. Exactly. Yeah. Not
1: ready for prime time, player, <laughs> Sabrina. And we're joined by a, a first time guest this week. Yes, uh, who
2: I have a feeling might be might be in the five timers club, eventually.
1: <laughs> oh, good, good, good. This is the way it all starts. So it's a historic <laughs> episode.
0: <and we're>, he <laughs>
2: is a, a movie yeah. and pop culture connoisseur. Yeah.
0: Be careful how you say five timers. You make it sound kinky. <laughs> <laughs> Which is Wait, appropriate. Why is that a wrong thing? You know, I mean, it's only thing. apropos for yeah. the Rocky Horror show. That's exactly.
2: Right. Exactly. Yeah,
0: exactly. Uh, yeah um, it's but, Alone. 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 No, alone, yes. Alone
2: Gannon. Yeah.
3: Yep. Yes. Alone
1: Gannon. Excellent uh and he's joining us today to discuss uh appropriate for this time of year uh although we might be a few days off from no
2: no uh, it's never off for rocky horror no
1: it isn't it's always
2: appropriate
1: <laughs> um we're talking about of course the rocky horror picture show which yes. we've already mentioned a few times and so just 19... in case it
0: is always late we have the time warp you know
2: that's, <laughs> that's a good right. point yeah and you know what i just thought of with alone you're never alone
0: Or or on the opposite, if you're ever depressed, it's forever alone.
1: (laughs) 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 It's going to be like in a movie, like, your name is Solo, because you're alone all the time, (laughs) call (laughs) you Han Solo. That's kind of how it was named, right?
2: Han alone.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we're here to discuss Rocky Horror, uh, both the Rocky Horror Show, I guess, which is the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And then the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is the movie version. Yes.
2: And this, we've been doing this podcast now for three plus years, Mm -hmm. and this is one that I've been dying to do. Yeah. So, so I'm so excited that we're finally doing it.
1: Yeah, so we, we finally got around to it. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to say, for me, I've always been kind of on the fence about Rocky Horror. What? Because so, so I never actually... Hence I, I why
2: to, I had to wait three and a half years to do it. I'm sorry, Tony
1: and I are going to leave now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I have nothing against it. It's not like a grudge. But it's. I feel like Rocky Horror has a reputation of being a cult Film, yeah, which it means does. that people have a strong personal reaction to it when they yeah. see it, and they kind of embrace it as part of their identity.
2: I would say that's very accurate. Yeah.
1: It's equivalent of the Grateful Dead music. And pulp if fiction. you're Deadhead,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. So. say
2: what one more time, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> we did pulp fiction, yeah. That's yeah. Right, yeah, I mean, say
0: come what? on. You you have people walking around with the bad motherfucker outfit, you know, the wallet, and then you yes. also have people want their dressing up as Frankenfurter. I mean, if somebody dresses yeah. up in the whole cross-dresser outfit and is a guy, you know immediately where you got that oh, idea. Yeah. Or the golden underwear, or the sparkly vest yeah. with the top hat. You know where that came from. Oh, oh, yeah.
2: Absolutely. It's mm-hmm. iconic.
0: Oh,
1: it is. I mean, I, yeah, even if you're not familiar with the movie and you haven't seen it, I think you yeah. know the iconography because mm-hmm. if you see, like, Tim Curry dressed as Dr. Frankenfurter, you know, even if you don't know them, came the name of the character, you know it's Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yeah. You see the big lips on the poster, you know it's Rocky Horror. I mean, there's a certain huge... Yeah. You know, there's so much iconography. I, I mean, it's
0: movie. such a it polarizing, to your point. Like, a funny story Tony knows is I actually lived in Israel. I'm Jewish, and I went to yeshiva. And one of my rabbis was actually the producer for Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, wow. He distances himself so much from it because, obviously, that's completely opposite to what you want to teach as an Orthodox rabbi. <laughs> but it was interesting when I had the the poster I actually brought from overseas, and I put up the Rocky Horror Show. And he comes in, uh, Rabbi Sinclair, I think it was, he comes in. He's like, hey, guys, I. <laughs> 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 he just felt the total vibe shift and I'm like I didn't even know until somebody had told me that was the story right. apparently he taught this like whole Hollywood and Judaism in a tough time as being an orthodox rabbi and I'm like yeah it would be if you were known as the guy that had to help shoot Tim Curry in you know right. in his
1: in his but I'm kind of kind of thinking eye right eye now like, if you were that devout why did you sign on as a producer exactly. I'm thinking it happened exactly. like, later
0: on and it's one of those uh. things regret like gotcha. it was kind of like the same thing as Mia Khalifa now regretting pornography. Oh, Let's yeah, put it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. gotcha, gotcha.
2: Yeah,
1: that happens. You know.
2: Well, I want to ask you this, Sean, because I know there have been times where you haven't really been that impressed with movies, but you really weren't. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. But you In also, general, you know. yes, yes. Okay. But you also didn't really give them a fair chance. You weren't really familiar with them. You just were. Turned off, I think, by the by the appeal, by the mass appeal of it, that you didn't, Mm -hmm. you know, you know what I'm saying. I can't Mm -hmm. think of a movie, I can't think of an example right now, but I know have there have been a couple movies that I really loved or we talked about, and you're like, I just don't get it. I don't, you know, I don't get all the hype, and then you saw it, and you were like, okay. Well, yeah, I you give my it a fair friends, chance. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, but you sat the on the laugh there. track and his cringe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah,
2: exactly. Yes, but I, he
1: totally
2: sat.
0: But there are certain things that when you watch it, no matter how you slice yeah. it like the room.
2: I love that movie. Yeah.
0: But we love it for why. Exactly. It's bad. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. But everyone has the same opinion. Nobody ever comes out saying the room was an amazing masterpiece no, or anything no. like no. that. No. I mean, you may get that some way with Rocky Horror Picture Show, and some people going, "That was freaking weird." I don't know what that was about. Yeah. Um, and then you have to explain the whole meta meaning behind it and everything. Yeah. And I to get it, this movie is different though because yeah. this movie is intentionally the way it is. It's yeah, it's not in- incompetence.
4: Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's, it's, oh, uh, hi but, but Rocky Horror. A <laughs> yeah, lot of the yeah. things we have to remember got lost in context because of the yeah. times. Yeah. Because it was a true, straight-up parody of sci-fi B-rated movies yes. at the time, yes. and. <laughs> People don't have that context now, so yeah. when they see it, they just see the whole wacky, crazy that's side. That's a great
2: point. That's a fantastic right. point. I guess the movie Even, was supposed to
4: be in black and white to start, Yeah. Mm-hmm. until you saw uh, red his lips. red lips on uh, right. Tim Curry. Yep. yep. The then it was supposed to be in, like, a Wizard like of Oz. Right. Yep.
2: You know, that's a fantastic point. I mean, I was listening to the soundtrack this morning, and I always do, around this time of the year. You know, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I. we'll talk more about the soundtrack and the, this the impact this movie's had on me, but you know i was listening to uh, the title well the opening credits science fiction mm-hmm. and i love that song and just some of the references in there i get because i'm a movie mm-hmm. buff yeah but I, you're right i think kids today is not, are not going to know who claude rains was they're not going to know charles atlas you know no. there're just so many I mean, references even if you watch the like, yeah.
0: end scene that whole end scene mm-hmm. Uh, when they're having the fight, the lasers are going yeah. off, people right, are dying, yeah. the, the house turns <laughs> in <the> a <laughs> spaceship, the whole thing. Nobody <laughs> right. understands the insanity of why that is as crazy right. as it is, and it's to basically wrap it up in the same bow that they do in a lot of B-rated movies to like be a, all right. We gotta close all the plot holes right. this right. way, this fast, and one ending, and it becomes so outrageously crazy. And now we just look at it, we're like, what was that about? And back then, like, oh, yeah, it's just making fun of all those movies that you yeah.
1: Well, that's to your point, too. This movie was clearly of its time, mm-hmm. you know, because it was made in 1975 at the height of the glam rock mm-hmm. era. In fact, it was, like, the last remnant of that era. That's yeah. when David Bowie and Ziggy uh-huh. Stardust were in, in a band like T-Rex. <laughs> yeah. He reminded
4: me, Tim Curry reminded me of Freddie Mercury. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in a way, like, the way he performed performed
0: yeah his essence Uh, yeah yeah he just he
2: has that swag uh, swag here's what i
0: would say and this is kind of weird i would say rocky horror and you're gonna see in a little bit maybe my point is on par with the matrix and how they kind of change things in the way moving forward because if you look at movies that went forward in rocky after rocky horror Same thing with Matrix and how it changed things. You could think as Tim Curry is like the equivalent of a Lawrence Mm Fishburne. Yeah. Because it really changed your mindset and how everything did. But now we're starting to see Matrix references fall by the wayside because nobody gets the whole cell phone ringing out of the, the, the dead drop, the whole thing. Now when you show kids this movie... I mean, I was uh, hanging out with one of my friend's uh, uh, younger siblings, and he's like, I don't get the whole cell phone, the significance, and what's a phone booth, and all this. I'm like, oh my god. Now, <laughs> you know, right. And now yeah. I'm like understanding what my mom had to explain to me when she was showing me Rocky Horror Picture Show. So, that's, it's kind of interesting. There's always that one movie everyone can look back to. Everyone is like, that was an amazing movie, and it's like kind of changed your perception on a lot of things. And I think that's we're starting to lose that tone moving forward with Rocky Horror. Right. Mm-hmm. I, the question I have is how do we remind people moving forward the next cult following that, oh, this yeah. is why it became a cult following.
2: You know, and to that point, I think I think some of the cult classics that we kind of talked about earlier, maybe before we were even recording, just different films. There's always an element of nostalgia, I think, that's tied to a cult classic film and that's what inevitably makes it a cult classic and so Rocky Horror I know for me certainly there's so much nostalgia and childhood and so much wrapped into it on a personal level is why I love the movie even though I know it's absurd and campy <laughs> and ridiculous but that's what I love about it you know that's what to me that's what makes it so fantastic but you're right you know how do we kind of continue that moving forward you know is is it our responsibility as Thirty and forty somethings who are going to be, you know, maybe, maybe not bringing kids into the world and sharing the sharing that with them. Um. You know, I think right now it's Halloween time, and there's been a lot of buzz about Hocus Pocus, which is a movie I grew up with. Apparently, they're going to make a remake, but mm. everybody's all excited about it because it's that nostalgia element. You yeah. know, it's that—that's what makes. I just want to say, if Bette Midler's
0: classic. in it, it'll be okay. Yes, yeah,
2: yeah. I think she's got, I think the. I think all of the original oh, ones awesome. are going to be in it. Which,
1: I, I heard it's a yeah. sequel, not just a remake. So okay, that, that's remake. Yeah, good it's here, like a
2: continuation. So, you know, yeah. probably thirty years later. We're um, <laughs> in
1: an age we have to distinguish reboot.
2: <laughs> exactly. S- reboot, exactly.
1: Sequel, you know,
2: remake. because
0: yeah. I just don't want it to be. The Sony Spider-Man cash grab of a reboot every single time, where it's yeah. like, "Yeah, you saw it, and they see it once." Like that was an obvious cash grab. Yeah, <laughs> it is.
2: But you know, you said something, and you said something um, in earlier alone, and it made me really think about what makes a cult classic a cult classic. And when you think about a movie like Rocky Horror, and then you compared it to the Matrix, they' I think it, what makes something a cult classic it's its uniqueness and its ability to reach. Many different people, many different generations. There's a timeless quality about it. And there's also something unique, not just about the movie itself, but there's a quality about it to where it makes it sort of a pioneer or, or, or ahead of its time. Or, or there's something so great about it that it, other <coughs> movies, like you said, kind of follow suit and I think Rocky Horror definitely has that quality. I don't know what that je ne sais quoi is, but that there's something about it that changed right. the landscape. I would
1: actually argue, though, Oh, I was going to say, like, I was going to argue, I don't think The Matrix necessarily is a cult film the same way Rocky Horror is, because I, I agree. Think an entire culture did Give not it build time. over. But <laughs> it was a huge hit, though. That's a big difference. The Matrix was a massively popular movie when it came out. It became a big hit. Rocky Horror <laughs> bombed at the box office mm-hmm. when it first came out. And a lot of
2: cult classics, so... classics typically do right. bomb. That's kind
1: of what I consider a cult film, I
2: guess. Yeah. Well,
0: for the difference, I would say a cult film is one that kind of reflects how the, the society is and the, how it's changing and everything. Mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. if you look at Rocky Horror Picture Show, is overwhelmingly for the freaks, the geeks, you know, everyone in the outside of the societal norms, especially with the LGBTQ groups. I mean, we're talking about, was it, late 70s? This is when it's all blowing up. The whole, uh, you have the studio, what is it, studio whatever. The uh,
2: studio systems were kind of...
0: No, no, I mean like the club, were... uh, that whole oh, scene. Oh, Studio going,
2: 54 that's and what that, talking about the dancing, the disco. Yeah, you're yeah. talking
0: about that whole thing where we're embracing more openness, tolerance and everything, mm-hmm. where a man now dressing as a woman wasn't seen as a Colonel Klinger kind of thing on MASH, that, oh, he's loony he's crazy it's just accepted and you just kind of get drawn into his world and the same thing as i would say the matrix where you're brought into this world that technology is changing it are we lost are we really ourselves and is the world really the way we see it i think that they're both looking at it through different worlds of what's the modern society Mm -hmm. but it's you're talking about different topics that change it so one you're talking about this whole sexual revolution you had the 1960s that whole peace love and sex but what's the aftermath of it now that you have the young kids now becoming older and that generation is now the one that's actually watching Rocky Horror and their kids are the ones that are being in the whole openness and tolerance. Same thing with the yeah. Matrix. You saw my generation. I mean, I remember T nine texting in classroom on our Nokia little brick phones. You know the ones that you used to go to the bathroom oh, and yeah. use mm-hmm. the urinal and you'd break the urinal mm-hmm. when you dropped your phone? Those yeah. ones. And it was just amazing to see how it's changed completely today, where I talked to my friend's little siblings, and the concept of passing notes is pretty much lost on them. Totally. And it's like, this is kind of what The Matrix was seeing going. And we're like, are we really ourselves, or are we just an avatar behind a screen? Mm -hmm. Same thing with, you know, now we're seeing Rocky Horror... We're now seeing it full-blown, decades later, you're seeing people question who they really are. I mean, before it used to be, oh, he's that weird transvestite, the one in a million that you maybe knew, and maybe somebody knew it. Now everyone can talk, and they say, I know a gay person, I know a lesbian, I know somebody who considers himself transgender, has gone through the operation, possibly— That's what I think is the difference of the cult following. You see this cultural change. Yeah,
2: yeah, I definitely can. Focusing in back on Rocky Horror more so than Matrix, you're absolutely right. You know, in 1975, as Sean was saying, was the time that you know people like David Bowie were at the forefront. Mm. You know, T Rex. I mean, all of these these androgynist. Um, yeah, what was David or Bowie's yeah,
0: film? I yeah. can't remember it. That was another Labyrinth one. Labyrinth. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. Love, we'll have to do that, that at some was, point. Uh, That's one
2: of my favorites, yeah, too. Yeah,
0: this was at the height of when David Bowie
3: yeah. first broke out on the exactly. scene. with the Siggy
1: Stardust. Yes. That's what made him, like, a yeah. major celebrity. Right. And, and even, uh, there were people like yeah. Lou Reed from The Velvet sure, Underground yeah. were kind of in that, that period. Mm-hmm. And actually, if you look at,
2: I was Men. noticing this,
1: There's you can see with Tim Curry... And, Dr. Frankenfurter, you see visually there's a lot of references to Lou Reed when Lou Reed was going into his own, like, transvestite mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. period yeah. in the early 70s. And Mick Jagger.
2: I was just going to bring out there's Mick There's a lot of the Absolutely. 70s Mick Jagger. And, 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 and also, this was the time where, for the first time ever, men were ma- wearing makeup. Men were dressing like women. Men were doing all of these... Um, I don't know, how you even define it? The lines were being, being blurred. The, exactly, and it was always men crossing that line. It wasn't women at that time dressing and acting like men, like we probably see more so today. It was the men crossing that yeah. line, dressing like that and and, and wearing women's clothing and, and being androgynous mm-hmm. or bisexual or fluid or whatever you might classify it as. And exactly, I'm glad you brought up Mick Jagger because mm-hmm. I was definitely going to... I mean, the whole lips. I'm glad, I all, that. First <laughs> so of there are so many ties to the Rolling Stones and this movie, mm-hmm. whether... Whether it, I'm sure it was somewhat intentional,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, but uh, and his I hair mean, is
1: like Mick Jagger's. Yeah, too, yeah, bit.
2: exactly. Well, let's yeah. remember the
0: '70s were like yeah. these big hairstyles. Where before it was, you know, you had male haircuts. They were like more of a military or like a straight cut. And then suddenly you're like, I, I mean, I remember how pictures my mom would show me in the '70s of my uncle Ron standing in, you know, with the the, the curls and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, the, all the different hairstyles, oh, yeah. all big, yeah. all my crazy,
2: dad had ridiculous. A prom. My dad had a perm in the 70s. Imagine that. Wow. Enough said. Yeah. Um, yeah, my dad's a short Italian guy. Yeah, I mean, guy, like, but...
0: even in the 80s, the 90s, even today, it's like mm-hmm. you're starting to see, like, the lines get crossed. You see people all the time get teased for having man buns, I mean, because mm-hmm. it, it's like that whole androgynous thing but yeah. that only really came about after Rocky Hole. Yeah, I agree yeah. and that's
2: where I think like you said, you know, in terms of the, in terms of this film's effect on culture
0: mm-hmm.
2: afterwards, you know, during that time and then beyond, you know, how many years later, 40, 50 years later. Um, Absolutely, I definitely, and, and that's where I think this movie. Mm-hmm. You know, I know one of the questions we always ask at the end is, do we think it, it holds up? And for that reason, and many others, I would have to say, yeah. In terms of its impact
3: mm-hmm.
2: um, that it's had on on people who watch it, mm-hmm. as well as just just the just the culture, there there are people out there who have never seen Rocky Horror, but things have changed because of it.
0: But what's amazing is, like, I can give you a point. Like, another part of a cult classic is no matter what time period you're watching it, it can have some kind of an effect. Whereas, Absolutely. we've all seen movies that, you know, we don't, we watch them and then um, we don't get the full context of it or we don't even really understand it. I mean, everyone's been in film class and we, like, have to get things explained to us. But there was a situation where my ex girlfriend, we watched Rocky Horror and she was 19 at the time. Uh, This was, like, only a year ago. And she never watched Rocky Horror Picture Show. And we watched it together, and she's like, I can understand a lot of this. I've explained certain things with the sci-fi parody and all that, but her being an LGBTQ activist and everything, it's amazing that from the 70s, she still could understand it being a person who was born in 98.
1: Right. Well, I think this movie, especially in the 1970s, and the reason it became a cult phenomenon, like, towards the mid to late 70s, is the fact that it connects to outsiders, people that weren't fitting comfortably into society at the time, especially with the LBGT community. they were probably drawing from this cuz there probably wasn't a lot of material out there in the mainstream that kind of covered any of this stuff. Right.
0: I mean, you couldn't even depict uh male and male relationships. I mean, if you look at the 1970s even like in more open shows like Three's Company, which right at the time was, you know, really crossing lines. Ooh, a man is living with two women. Right. You couldn't even still at the time picture them in the same bed together, no. and that was still ooh scandalous. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at the decade prior in sitcoms, Husband and wife couldn't even be in the same bed in the same scene, even though that's what you knew. They had the separate twin bed, and that was what we imagined American couples as. And it's just interesting that now – it was like only – I think the 1980s was maybe the first time we really saw – The whole LGBT aspect being explored in a mainstream, non, you know, poke a fun, you know, stick kind of way. Because that was the only way you really could do it, or you would have, um, like uh, in Audrey Hepburn movies, things like that, you would have the one guy that was so effeminate you knew he was gay, but you had to know about it to know he was gay.
2: I would just like to point out that Totally Unprompt alone brought in Audrey Hepburn. She always wow. makes her way. She's my favorite, and she yeah. always makes her way into all of our podcasts somehow.
1: <laughs> I was <laughs> suspecting was some payola going on between the two. You know,
0: no, no. No, you, you have to understand. Person. This is why we we clicked right away, <laughs> even though we met at like a third. What it was a thirty second business networking <laughs> right. thing? Seriously. And then afterwards, we're like, we have to grab coffee, yeah. and we didn't even talk business. We just talked straight Mel Brooks and improv comedy and Rocky Horror, and then we had to make a follow up meeting to actually talk business and force ourselves to stay on topic. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> I I kind of see this movie like it's drawing from the same pool. There was definitely something in the water in certain aspects of that time yeah. period. Like John Waters was drawing from it too. And you at know that he's point. one
2: of my favorites. John yes. Waters. So so
1: I, I think if you're yeah. a fan of Rocky Horror, I think you'd be a fan of John Waters, and I think you would also be a fan of David Bowie. I think there's yes. like there's a connective mm-hmm. tissue and I with I love all Labyrinth. Those, Labyrinth. And
2: those Exactly. Yeah. Those are all movies that I grew up loving and and it's kind of
1: ironic kitsch flamboyant that
2: uh, can
0: be well it's also the people that want to escape the reality that they're in and kind of explore the you know alternate possibility
2: I think there's also and we've talked about this when we covered John um, Waters but I think there's also a high level of intelligence there that a lot of people wouldn't see on the surface you know Mm. it's the whole campiness and and the parody. There's there's you know pe- that's why people like Mel Brooks are so brilliant. Mm-hmm. It it takes a lot of intelligence right to to properly. Make fun of something, you know, or to
0: yeah, you have to be extremely absolutely. high level of comedy. Like, yeah, yeah, um, it's like, uh, yeah, people think like South Park, Rick and Morty are so low grade humor. I'm like, if you pay attention, there's a lot of crazy humor in there. To the point that it's kind of funny when the South Park has to actually put subtitles of not actually a parody, <laughs> actual <laughs> belief of Scientology. Right. You know, you have
1: to do that. Yeah, you do. Um, and I would say too, like, uh, like. The plot for this movie is obsolete. Yeah. Nobody, if you even followed the plot or the character motivations in this movie, you would fall flat because it's not the point. The point of this movie is to be a... I think I saw an extended cut. You did? So
4: the, the regular version starts when they're on the road, right?
2: It starts at the wedding. All right, oh, starts at the wedding. Okay, the okay. It Starts. You see the photograph with Tim Curry, with all the characters as humans, like normal people. Remember that? Yeah, they're yes. at the wedding. They're doing it's the kind of, of they're American Gothic the thing. thing exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it like a, into, it's into, like, yeah. it's
4: kind of like a. It's kind of like yeah. It's
2: kind a. So you wonder, was it all a dream type thing? Well,
4: it's kind yeah. of a uh, Wizard of Oz, Wizard of Oz type of deal. they Play regular people, and then
0: they're like That's right. Yeah, like I heard that it was you know supposed to be like kind of a loose you know, kind of touch on drugs and everything, sure. psychedelics and everything.
2: And I, and the other thing, too, is Wizard of Oz is one of my all-time favorite movies. So for me, it's almost like, in talking about this, tying every all those ties together, it all makes sense why I like what I like, I guess. And they and
4: wanted to do, so, like I said earlier, they wanted to do the black and white uh-huh. until the, the lips,
3: yeah.
2: just
4: like the Wizard of Oz, but they didn't have the budget for it. Yeah. They actually yeah. shot it to do it, but...
2: You know, I was actually going to say, you're right, Sean, this movie really doesn't have a definitive plot, mm-hmm. and that doesn't matter. What this movie is really focused or centered around is the music.
3: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Richard
2: O'Brien, you know, the writer, director, and he played Riff Raff, right. he wrote all of those incredible songs, and I don't care whether you like the movie or not, you have to appreciate the music. It's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my opinion, much like The Wizard of Oz in a way, you know, the, the movie, the storyline really centers around the music. You don't have to watch the movie. You can literally listen to the soundtrack
3: mm-hmm. and
2: know kind of where you're at, or what's going on, or who, may, who these people are. Where at? Same thing with Wizard of Oz in a way. Yeah, you know, it has that quality. Um, and so maybe there's another tie there. Some ins- they were drawing that inspiration from the Wizard of Oz. Um, but yeah, you know, Richard O'Brien's he wanted to do a rock musical is what his but goal was.
0: I, you say there's like no plot in there. I would yeah. say there is, but kind of in the Kevin Smith, Jay and Silent Bob way where there's like a loose plot and yeah. all these tiny mini plots go in. That at the end of it you're like, okay, yeah, there really wasn't a big overarching thing here, but it was kind of like we got to experience this great journey and it was just exactly. fun to be part right. of the rock. And that's
2: kind of what I mean. There's no, like, there's no real climax. There's no real problem. Like It's just... It's, it's a
0: climax in each scene, yes. if you notice. like For yeah. example, when uh, Dr. Frankenfurter's creation is coming, you have The whole like crescendo and then meatloaf coming out and that whole thing. And then you get a lull and then you get into the next scene and then there's like the dinner scene where you find, oh, that's where it is. So it's not really a climax overall in the movie, like in a typical sense. It's more like like liken it to like an SNL kind of skit.
2: Well, it's also very dreamlike, you know, because dreams are very similar too, right? You Mm -hmm. you take your dreams kind of scene by scene. One minute you're here with these people, the next minute you're there. And that move the the movie kind of flows that way, which is which makes sense why people would compare it to Wizard of Oz or even say, Was it all just a dream? The, the lucid drug aspect of it. Maybe it's delving
0: deeper into like a person's psyche. That's, that's what kind I mean. Of yeah,
2: because you know how dreams don't really have a true plot line, but yeah. yet there's a beginning, middle, and end? This movie is kind of the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, the driving force, though, is the music. That's what I think keeps it moving. Mm-hmm. You know.
1: The main reason I bring it up is if you look at the character arc of Frankenfurter. There's no way we're supposed to sympathize with this guy when he dies at the end because he but, butchered another but, human being but in we the middle. Do. <laughs> I we, know. We, we, that's what yeah. I mean. Like, there's because he butchers meatloaf. He yeah. kills him. There's no but reason for us to He
2: butchered me, meatloaf. Well, that's a,
1: In some ways... <laughs> we I, feel bad because... Maybe, maybe I'm missing the point. Maybe that was why we're supposed to love <laughs> Listen,
2: him. nobody cares <laughs> we, about we're it. We're supposed to love him because
0: yeah. he was sweet transvestite from yeah. transsexual yeah. Right. Transylvania. Right. Exactly.
2: Okay? And, and we, yeah. we... Okay, we cannot...
1: That's what I mean. Like, you yeah. throw that shit away. They don't care about whether it makes sense or not. That's what I mean. It's, it's all... It's, it's, it's the show. Exactly. It's, it it's is the, the show. That actually made sense to me.
2: And that's one of the beautiful things when you know you have a really solid and iconic character... Like Frank and Furter, where you do sympathize with him at the end, and when he's in the pool and his makeup's all over the place and he's crying, and he, you know he doesn't, you know he's dying, and then Rocky goes after him. There's there's that there's a sadness there, um, even though he's a terrible person, you know, um, yeah. And uh, but we cannot we now we don't have to do it right in this moment, but we cannot finish the podcast without Luis talking about. Frankenfurter and going over some of his classic lines. I mean, this movie mm-hmm. is a vehicle for Tim Curry to shine. Oh,
1: he's brilliant. And that, he's, he's so absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. And
2: and this is, you know, this movie we'll talk well, I know we always do a bit where we kind of share about how we learned about this movie, but I honestly think this was one of the first movies that taught me about comedy. Mm-hmm. And it was Tim Curry. And at the same time in my life, I was watching movies like Clue with mm-hmm. Tim Curry. And so yeah, I know. He, it's uh, funny because
0: they're like of, polar opposites. The,
4: the most most of the char- characters Tim Curry plays are the most uptight people. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. Like every character in the like '90s he played, he always played like in like Home Alone two and like Clue. He wasn't uptight in Clue, but he was he was like the proper. He always played like a proper character. The, well,
2: the great thing about Tim Curry, a lot of the characters that he plays, uh, well, at least speaking of Rocky Horror and Clue. He's that driving force.
3: Mm-hmm. If
2: you took away Wadsworth and Clue,
3: mm-hmm.
2: where would the movie be? You well, know what I mean? Same thing like if you took away Dr. Frankenfurter. He, he's, he's so powerful yeah. in a scene. You he know? has a and presence. He just, yes. He just, it's he,
0: like, uh, like I would say that Tim Curry is kind of up there with um, uh, Samuel L. Jackson and Morgan Freeman. When they're in there, no matter how small of a presence mm-hmm. they are, about it in marvel he can show up for one line you remember where nick fury was in and what he was doing right yeah you know it's just kind of like that where morgan freeman shows up in bruce almighty got a couple of lines you know exactly what that scene was about. You maybe don't remember everything about Jim Carrey, but you yeah. do remember Morgan Freeman being God and the whole <laughs> filing cabinet shoving him down this, you know, the hallway and all that. Um, just the same way with Tim Curry. Any movie he appears in, you remember him in yeah. that movie. You may not remember everything else, but you remember that one line he popped up for.
1: I'm going to argue that not only do you remember Tim Curry, but I think Tim Curry is usually the best
0: part of any That's film That's what I event. was trying to say. Exactly. Yes. He's, That's he's a saying. master of comedy, which yeah. is timing
1: yeah I mean if you look at Clue I mean mm-hmm. you could probably pick a number of characters I don't, but he kind of holds that movie together that's what I mean
2: yeah he's
1: um, and I'm just realized we've done a lot of Tim yeah. Curry because so I love Tim Curry yeah, that's why he might why. be your top five he might he, be up there in Audrey he, when I think yeah <laughs> when, it, when
2: I really analyze like yeah. what, what I grew up watching what kind of taught me about comedy film what, what my taste is Tim Curry's in a, a part of a lot of that same with John Waters um, of course Audrey Hepburn but yeah, I mean, he, he is so comedically brilliant, and he's so subtle, which is probably not a word you would associate with Rocky Horror. Yeah. But his sensibilities are incredibly subtle. Like some of my favorite aspects of this film that really make me giggle any and every time I see it are the little things that Tim Curry does. It's the facial expression. It's the nonverbal look. It's the that's what I was going to so, say. He's so commanding. You know, one of my f- favorite things is when he um after he kills Eddie you know and and Rocky's getting all upset about it and then you know Tim Curry gets real you know kind of fake remorseful and he's like don't be upset with me Mm -hmm. he was Mm -hmm. like it was a mercy killing (laughs) and then he's like he had sort of a naive charm but no muscle and then Rocky like flexes and he goes oh Yeah, it's just like, I mean, it's just That's the thing about Tim
0: Curry. You say he's not subtle, but let's face it, if anyone redoes the lines from Tim Curry, unless they can match the little facial expressions, the whole, like, tiny of the body, the tiny, you know, tin, you know, a tweak of the voice that he does at the right time. It's the whole entire delivery that allows a Tim Curry experience to be a Tim Curry experience, no matter what movie it's it's in.
2: It's so subtle, yet over the top.
0: There's no ounce of him in this movie not being comfortable
2: yeah.
4: this being so bizarre, which is the most brilliant part about it. Like, he never – there's not a false – he's like, this is exactly who I am. And yeah, because
0: I know how tight that lingerie is, yeah. and I don't know how he made that comfortable – Because that's not a comfortable feeling.
2: Well, and if you actually, if you've watched, but I've watched behind it, I had, I I think I still have it, it's a VHS tape, it was I think the 25th anniversary, so I got it like in the 90s, um, and that was what I watched religiously, but after the movie, there was about a 40-minute documentary about Rocky Horror and everything, and they interviewed the cast, and one of the things they talked about is just the treacherous... um, elements that this film was made in. Like, that castle where they're at is somewhere in England, and it was so cold. It was, like, wintertime when they filmed, and mm-hmm. it was damp, and it was wet, and they, the cast was always constantly getting sick. And So, I mean, it was really not the best conditions. So, you're right. For Tim Curry to be in all this makeup, probably freezing, you know, and just really uncomfortable. And Literally that's the covered thing with, by nothing. <laughs> that's the great thing about <laughs> Tim Curry, too, is even in Clue, he's so natural. Yeah, That's what I think is part of his... His brilliance is that he's, he's always natural in whatever role he's doing.
1: I want to point out a movie that not too many people are going to think of with Tim Curry nowadays. But in the 80s, as it came out in 1985, there was a Ridley Scott fantasy film called Legend with Tom Cruise. It was one of mm. Tom Cruise's right after Risky Business. Okay, this, I don't think
2: I've seen it. Tim
1: Curry plays a character called Darkness, which is the, basically Satan. And he has one of the most advanced-looking Satan-esque mag- makeup you could ever mm-hmm. see. He has these huge horns on his head. He's, he's in complete garb. But they allowed his face to be mobile so he could be expressive the way Tim Curry is. I mean, you, you would not guess it was Tim Curry in the role if he didn't know in advance. That's how good he is in the role. And I think they picked yeah. him because he's fearless. Like, like you guys said, he's comfortable playing Dr. Frankenfurter. He's Comfortable playing Pennywise—that's why he played Pennywise in the TV. Yeah. Thank you. I was just gonna,
2: and you know, I love that T. I grew yeah. up watching that TV miniseries, so you're absolutely right. I mean, Tim Curry was kind of at the crux of a lot of what I watched as a child, and I was always so fascinated with him. Again, just the brilliance of his comedy mm-hmm. and his presence, and he's unforgettable. Um, you know, going just kind of tying it all, keeping it all back to Rocky Horror. One of my favorite lines too is after he he Meduses everybody, you know, like, turns everybody to stone. <laughs> He gets he gets all like sad about himself, and then he's like, "Oh, my children, they turn on me." And then he's like, "It isn't easy having a good time." <laughs> and then he goes, "Even smiling makes my face ache." But he goes, <laughs> "But he goes like this," oh, and like bites his finger, and yeah. then he, it's just so over the top. I mean, it's just. Oh. He,
1: he's very comfortable in that area, and he's, he's good at it.
2: Even I mean, smiling makes my face ache. <laughs> <There's>, I mean,
0: <laughs> he's also one of those few comedians that you can put him in, and even just his facial expressions can be. The completion of a scene. Let's be yeah. honest. Mm-hmm. He has that yeah. way where he can just look at you and just do the eyebrow. You know, I can't really do it that well. Most people can't, and just be like, okay, that tells everything you need to say. Uh, say right there. That's a whole paragraph.
1: Well, if you look at it, he and Bowie are cut from the same cloth because Bowie's been an act has acted, and if you look at Labyrinth, that is a Tim Curry role.
2: Labyrinth yeah. is absolutely. Yeah. It's They're we definitely should Labyrinth. cover that at some point. That's yeah. and that movie again is. Really centered around music, mm-hmm. and, and and you know what I'm realizing? I love movies about journeys. I love movies about these dreamlike journeys because mm-hmm. I think a Wizard of Oz labyrinth, even Rocky Horror, different movie. Yeah. Anyway, cool self-discovery. They go into the <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. because they it teleports you away yeah. from your reality, yeah, and exactly you get to right. Right. And, and the yeah, music's right. phenomenal and the acting in all those movies is just outstanding but yeah labyrinth is has that similar quality Tim Curry could have easily played Jareth
1: yeah I, the I, goblin I, King I see those two really uh, drawing from the same pool mm-hmm. you know yeah. like I think like that they both kind of came of age in the 70s makes mm-hmm. sense of the glam rock era and and the retroactive, even Bowie downplayed a lot of his mm-hmm. flamboyance in the 80s compared yeah. to where he was in the 70s the same with Tim Curry so I see a lot of parallels with them.
2: I do too, yeah.
1: Um,
2: And as actor. I I
1: bet they're up for the same roles a lot of the time. That's what I mean. You could
2: easily have... I mean, Labyrinth is brilliant the way that it is, but you could have changed out... David Bowie for Tim Curry, and I think it would be equally as phenomenal.
1: <laughs> we have a we weird and 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 androgynous vampire. Tim yeah. Curry or David Bowie? Who's <laughs> going to play that? Well, I
2: think <laughs> Tim Curry Tim was a little older, yeah. you know, in the late 80s. And you were thinking Labyrinth.
0: of Labyrinth. I was actually thinking of David Bowie's The Man Who Fell to Earth, the uh, other cult classic. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. That's what I, I was yeah. thinking Later. of, because that was around the same time mm-hmm. as Rocky Horror Pictures Show, so there must have been, like, this whole Aliens thing. Mm-hmm. Actually, you know what there oh, would have yeah. been, because you, you wouldn't that be around the time of, like, Close Encounters of the Third Kind? Yeah, Comic. a
1: couple years afterwards.
0: So there must have been, like, this whole alien uh, thing or any something going on because there's a whole bunch of alien movies but that movie and even Richard
2: Dreyfus started at that <laughs> time so hey, what hey. was going on
0: that's right there was a like, the total opposite end
2: of the,
1: uh, the Bowie
0: so I kind of wonder if Rocky Horror Picture Show is kind of making fun of a way of that movie as well because that came out a little bit later I mean you can you did mention like the whole androgynous thing and there are definitely some tones of David oh, yeah. Bowie in there.
1: Well, I, I'm thinking what happened is, like, Glam Rock was very big, and I think this group from Glam Rock, or, or, Richard O'Brien even said, Glam Rock made mm-hmm. me feel normal. Like, yeah. it's the first time I actually identified with something and felt comfortable with something. And he also yeah. loved B science fiction movies, uh-huh. like you guys mentioned, Steve Reeves movies, which are, mm-hmm. like, these muscle... It was all a B schlocky I mean, B, B pictures, which I love. I mean, that's, that, I actually love that mm-hmm. somebody drug through from that stuff and made it a pastiche. which well, this movie's a pastiche of things that he loved and he did it Absolutely. with an ironic this, twist
2: it's, it's almost as if it's a quasi-autobiography on Richard O'Brien yes you're exactly right and that, that's where he wanted to make kind of a glam rock musical and at the time nothing like that existed no Rocky Horror was the first of its kind I, and you think about that even so the lyrics will take in an, you an old would say if Steve Steve it wasn't
0: for the Rocky maybe? Horror Picture Show Tommy wouldn't have come out
2: I would agree. And I'm a oh. big Who fan. You know that, right? Mm-hmm. I'm a huge Who fan. It came out the same year. Yeah. Uh, the movie there version was a... of Tommy
1: came out the same year as Rocky Horror. And there's so many parallels visually. Exactly. Right. Because it was directed by a guy named Ken Russell who's known for also being well, kind of over Usually the top. it's the wacky I would I would flip-flop
2: it. I would say that I think this movie was inspired by Tommy. Okay. The whole rock opera. And I think that was part of Richard's mission maybe to create something similar but on a musical um, theatrical I element. think
4: they both inspire the lesser... Like, um, not Tommy, but what is it Sgt. Pepper's and all these lesser the movies, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah they yeah. the turn into the movies with yeah. Rocky. Oh, if we also maybe, look yeah. at like
0: how uh, Rocky or Picture Show uh changed culture, I would also say if it wasn't for Rocky or Picture Show, Michael Jackson's thriller wouldn't have come out
2: hmm. or wouldn't have been as maybe accepted.
0: Right, or, because you, know, uh, you wouldn't have had this wacky, zany idea. Like, Think about the whole like actual Michael Jackson movie music video. I mean, it was really the first of its riff kind. Riff of Raff. Stuff. Yeah. And think about how yeah, much that raff. must have pulled from Rocky Horror Picture <laughs> no, Show. I and definitely the dance zany- that Riff
3: Raff
4: yeah. does in a time warp. Yeah, break.
3: uh-huh. Yeah.
4: People dancing with humps is... I never get told. It's like
3: Marty, <laughs> so
0: let's,
2: it's like let's Marty Feldman.
0: It. Let's face Please, it. Michael you know. Jackson had to appeal to the white crowd somehow, and that's how he did it. Okay? Right,
2: yeah. But And you know, Richard, going back to that, Richard O'Brien, uh, the character of Riff Raff, definitely took a couple cues from Marty Feldman.
0: Oh, well, yeah. And
2: Young Frankenstein. I mean, it come It came out, out on. A year before. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what so I mean. We have to do that movie. With the hums and the whole, yeah. yeah. Um, so there are so many different elements, I think, that. That really inspired Richard O'Brien, or you know, motivated him, and things that he was paying homage to. For I sure. love the
4: uh, homages to the, the. I mean, one of the things is he has homage to almost every. Uh, universal monster. Yes. Yeah.
3: He loved them. The movies.
4: mummy, obviously, is when he comes wrapped right. as the mummy and then mm-hmm. obviously Dr. Frankenfurter, yes. the Frankenstein is there. I love the RKO. Me yes. too. That yes. was one of one my
2: favorite is.
1: sequences yeah. in the movie is the RKO radio yeah. pictures back <laughs>
2: retro. Yep, yep, when they're doing like the floor show at the end. And he mentions
1: Faye <laughs> Ray because uh, King Kong that's was an That's right, a he RKO mentioned King picture. Kong too. Oh? Well, okay. in,
2: in, if you listen to the sci- the opening track, Science Fiction, you know, he mentions all of those and that's why I'm saying kids today, those references are going to be lost, but in Sweet Transvestite... (laughs) <laughs> he says, we'll take it in an old Steve's movie. movie. They mentioned Cod yeah. Reigns yes, in science fiction.
1: What What's going to
0: be around. weird as well is like you're seeing, again, back to the, when I ripped on the uh, reboots of movies and everything, they're remaking a lot of these movies. So the movies that they see that are maybe mentioned in it aren't going to be the versions they're thinking of that can be different enough that they're not going to understand the Rocky right. Horror reference.
1: But I think it's good when people have to come, when the movie forces you to come to it. Like It's yeah. like The Simpsons. Like I didn't always get the references on The Simpsons immediately. But I knew it was funny. Yeah. And then I would go back and realize, oh, this is why it's funny because they're referencing this. You know, oh, and that's, that's good for people to get. Uh, well, and that, that, and that also, and
2: that also definitely correlates with with my thought. And that movies like this are incredibly intelligent. There's yes. a high level of intelligence there, and there's so much that they're drawing from that that it, that certain things are going to be lost on certain people. But then there are people like us who are kind of movie buffs and and culture buffs where where we can look back like when I was a kid, I didn't know who Claude Rains was, and I, I remember googling Charles Atlas at one point, couple, a <laughs> couple years ago, when I was listening. And I'm like, "Who the heck is Charles Atlas?" And then he was this bodybuilder, you know, in the '50s. Um, and you're kind of like, "Oh, okay." You know, it just—it's mm-hmm. interesting, like you said, when you can, when you watch it, you don't really get it, but you know it's funny. Yeah. And then you actually learn about it, and you go back and you say, "Wow, that was really kind of yeah. remarkable."
0: Exactly. Well, That's what, what I, I also think makes a cult classic a cult classic is you can watch it and you can still get something new out. Of it each exactly. time. Exactly. So, like, I would even say, like, to make it a bit more broad, it doesn't have to be a win or lose kind of movie mm-hmm. at the box office. You could even look at, like, say, the movie Shrek as a cult classic because you can still watch that movie and you can still gleam oh, there's a lot of different references to other pop culture that, you know, you get lost because uh, it's one of those ones that both kids and adults can watch. You can probably watch Rocky a Picture Show with a kid, like my mom did. I wouldn't recommend that for most. Um, unless... I did on my own. It was
2: my guilty pleasure. Yeah. DJ.
0: Well, uh, the funny story about me is my mom... uh, Well, hang on here.
2: Why don't we go around and we'll do our... we'll we'll share our Rocky Horror Uh, stories. Oh, yeah. You go go first. Okay,
0: so I actually was introduced to when I was really young. I don't even remember how young I was. That's how young I was. My mom came... we grew up in L.A., so very open and accepting, you know, family. I think um, I know definitely when we moved into Bexley in second grade... I told my mom during Halloween I want to be Dr. Frankenfurter for Halloween in second grade. My mom was like, I would totally be for that, but we just moved in the neighborhood and we don't need them to know how weird we are just yet. So, yeah, that was uh, kind of Especially fun. in Bexley. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember if we did it for the following year or not, but I did at some point.
2: Oh, i yeah. got to see the photo. You gotta there is the photo.
0: no photo, but there are definitely uh, at least witnesses. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'll go. I mean,
4: my, the first time I ever heard of it was I was watching an episode of the Drew Carey show. Okay. <laughs> really? Wow. Just as just weird about- as this. And they went. One of the episodes, they went to see the the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and they were dressing up for it. So that's when I, the first I, first time I ever um, was aware of it. And then I was aware of it because people go see it at midnight. Yeah. But I had never seen it until Tony showed me some clips on YouTube, and then she showed me the movie. And then
2: we watched the whole movie. That was a couple it, years ago. Yeah. Already.
4: So that was the first time I actually watched it. So you're a late bloomer. And what do you oh. think
2: of it, Scott?
4: I mean yeah, it's uh <laughs> it's a mind <Martin laughs> fuck the first time you watch it, isn't it? I like I mean, I'm not the biggest musical fan. Um so um I mean I like it, um for what it is, but it's not a movie I'm gonna go back to and watch over again. But uh we can say that to the end of the of the episode. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's definitely you know, the more you, you pick up on on different things the the more you watch it and I do appreciate it for what it is for sure.
1: Well, mine was I, I've known about it for years, and I, I feel like I've seen it, even though I never sat down and watched the entire thing because VH1 would play it constantly, Little
0: and bits just, and pieces, bits and pieces. You know,
1: it's one of those. But they always edit it, snippets. so yeah. Right. I, that's why I don't like watching movies yeah. on TV like that. But I first heard about it like I was a huge film buff, and I remember it was like in either the late '80s or early '90s. My dad was saying, "Oh, that's referencing Rocky Horror Picture Show. Have you ever heard of that? It's one of the biggest cult movies ever. <laughs> yeah, because it's okay." <laughs> okay <laughs> go, well what's it about and he goes eh, i don't really remember nobody could explain to me the plot where i would ask like well what's it about because i assumed every movie had a plot and, <laughs> and nobody could really tell me oh it's just a, I mean, it's a bunch of stuff i don't remember much about it actually i just remember it was okay and people talked more about the cult Mm-hmm. surrounding the movie than they ever talked about the movie. Because you can't really me. talk about the movie. Yeah, right, right, right. That's the <laughs> right. I can, I, mean, I can. I mean, that's what I remember. Now I know why, because it's like there's not really a plot to decipher. It's like Star Wars, you know, they go into the Millennium Falcon and they go to the Death Star and everything. Rocky Horror, it's like, okay, these two couples, you could have easily just explained to me. This is how I explain it. It's like it's a homage to like, it's a kitsch mm-hmm. version of the horror films from the 1930s. Where this young couple goes into a haunted mansion yeah. with all these strange people, and he turns out to be right? like a yeah. transsexual. But that's probably why they couldn't explain it to me aliens. as a kid they're like, we, exactly. we have to explain transsexuality exactly. exactly. to See, what you. I
0: can't explain it like that. I just say it's a wild and crazy adventure that you just have to watch and experience. Yeah. Because the, the, there's so many twists yeah. and turns and things. Which <laughs> I'm
1: laughing at it from a kid's perspective because you expect everybody knows what a movie's about. Like when, you, yeah. when you're asking, what's this movie about? That's what people ask. And nobody could give me a straight answer on Rocky Horror. They just said it's okay, it's kind of a musical, they didn't really explain anything. So I'm like, oh, this must be a terrible movie because nobody wants to explain it. And I also think. More people talked about the cult of people going and dressing up in the characters and throwing. I don't know if they throw.
2: Which is something street. he hates. Yeah, not. I'm oh, and yeah. see, that's why see, I said in the very beginning. What, Did you give it a? <laughs> you and I
0: have been trying for a while to like schedule to go to one of those because I used to live in Malibu and I would also be near close to West Hollywood for a lot of my contracts. So West Hollywood, if you don't, if you're not familiar with that, that's Boytown USA. That's where the gay community is, and the reason why I like to be there is I told my friends is the worst you have to worry about is your curtains being stolen. But um. <laughs> They would have the best Rocky Horror Picture Shows. I mean, uh, I will tell you this: that the gay community does Rocky Horror Picture Absolutely. Show like none other. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That whether I you're straight or gay, you have to experience it at least one time. It is a blast. The drag queens come out. The gay community comes out. Everyone's having a fun time. They're passing out rice. There's toast being thrown. So like when they raise the at the meal, you know, and they say toast, everyone literally throws toast at the screen. Right. It's a fun experience.
2: But see, he- Hates that This is anti-Halloween Over here He doesn't like costumes He doesn't like dressing up and, and so I'm not against
1: it With other people
2: right? I know I But you critical. don't like it I don't, And I don't so I can, I instantly knew no. That you had preconceived notions About Rocky Horror Because <laughs> yes. of everything Surrounding it For him. years Because yes, that's, what, exactly. that's the only thing
1: People talk yes. about With the movie Is the cult yes. They never really talked yeah. About the movie itself yeah. They always talk about The cult surrounding it Which is a cool thing It's a cool thing That people sure.
2: keep going To this well,
0: movie The reason why that is And you, brought, you and I Probably saw the same documentary on YouTube or something about that uh, about whole... It was like,
2: at the end of my videotape, but it probably is the same thing. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. yeah. I, there, yeah. Uh, if you look on YouTube, they have the documentaries about how the whole show and everything came about, but also... Um, the whole cult following the reason why it did become so big was because it was the one outlet for the outlier communities whether it was like think about all the different subcultures that are referenced in there you have the BDSM subculture the LGBT subculture you have uh, you know foreigners whether they're talking about like sweet transvestite from Transylvania Mm -hmm. it's like a little pinpoint to everyone of the outsiders this was before we had 4chan and Facebook and everything where everyone could find our own you know outlet to you know be geek back then if you were the equivalent of a goth person you had to find other goth people and most likely you were that one person into it and you're the outlier so this is the one release that they had that could go into and you're like oh my god there's this whole community of people i never knew about that are just as weird as me and instead of shunning my yes. weirdness they're embracing the weirdness so the one thing i remember my mom telling me about in the la scene was it was a way for people to get together to find people and they could make their own communities and they would form support groups for the various you know, states of you know, whatever outlier they were. And it was basically a social media before social media we think of. And that's where I think a lot of the context gets lost on people because it's hard for people to understand. Like I remember, we all probably remember now, the concept of not being able to get in touch with anyone. We didn't have a phone. We would go over to our friend Timmy's house and just show up. Mm -hmm. Or we would actually call on the phone and I come
3: over. Yeah, Yeah,
0: come over, things like that. Now we have texting and all this different ways. So movies back then were a way for people to congregate and meet people whether it was Star Wars or all these different cult different followings I know so many people that said back in the day they met some of their best friends just going to a movie yeah. and saying they sat next to me and we had the same reaction and afterwards we grabbed dinner together we grabbed a drink together and we were just talking about the movie and it Well that's life. what we're
2: doing now yes. Yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. So I it's mean,
0: having the same effect exactly. now right. except now we have the internet to talk about all right. this well, One
2: thing I will say too is that you know I obviously don't identify, I don't feel that I really identify with any kind of outlier community. I certainly understand them and respect them, but, you know, I still have... I find great joy in this movie, you know. So I think this movie, and this, again, is another testament to what makes up a cult classic, what makes up something that resonates with anybody, is the fact that this movie does that with anybody. I definitely think it was intended, for all the reasons you just said, its main initiative was to reach folks who really were on that outside or felt that they were, um, and it gave them a safe space. Let you space. know you're not yeah. alone. Exactly. It gave them a safe space. Except but, me. But it also, you are alone. <laughs> But, but it also, I think, was, was a great way for maybe creative minds, people who appreciated all different types of things. It it was, um, I don't know, it's just a great piece of art for anybody really to enjoy. And that's what I think really makes it so special, is that it's for everybody.
1: Yeah, I think it's the weirdo. I, I, I don't yeah, mean yeah, yeah. weirdo, that yeah. I, I, mean, like, I, I know what the, you're the saying. The outliers found an outlet <laughs> <laughs> with uh, something like Rocky Horror, which was made for that kind of niche audience, whether they yeah. do it or not. In the 70s was a, was a time when studios were experimenting a lot with a those kind lot of, of films. Of transformation. I
2: well, that big whole studio system thing was collapsing. Well, so well, yeah. yeah.
1: We, we start to see well,
4: it.
0: Well, now it's a Disney movie, so <laughs>
2: Isn't well, that crazy? crazy? I know. So I,
0: I actually <laughs> need an entrepreneur <laughs> well, now for uh, Dr. Frankenfurter being a Disney princess. Oh, okay. yeah. I was yeah, gonna
1: yeah say that. here's, here's a very interesting point on that I just read about. I, I really wanted to bring this up. Twentieth Century Fox, of course, was purchased by Disney this year, mm-hmm. and they own the Rocky Horror Picture yeah. Show, which is, let's say, fucked up in and of itself. <laughs> yeah. And also
0: X Men now and yes. Yeah.
1: But but here's the thing: they're putting most of the movies into the Disney vault that they bought from Fox. That's fucked. Fox used to have yeah. a like very open policy as far as people streaming their classic films. Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to watch Die Hard or the Cronenberg Fly, you can go out there and, and they... I mean, you used to
0: watch it. Die Hard every Christmas. Right. Yeah. They're
1: not doing that anymore, but they made an exception with Rocky Horror because they were smart they enough to realize, you know. we're going to be the biggest villains in the yeah. world if we <laughs> take this away from all these local theaters. Because yeah. that's the whole part of the, oh, yeah. the whole appeal of this movie is the cult. Mm-hmm. You like Elmo just away, said,
2: it's a community. It's so a sense of community.
1: That's the one exception they made. They're yeah. allowing Rocky Horror to continue on. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: and good for them. Would be
1: lynched if they didn't. Bob yeah, Lire would be lynched by a bunch of prank uh, well, it's, it's
0: made <laughs> up. Well, Disney's <laughs> becoming a villain in many ways right now. They're yeah. getting praise in some ways and a villain in another because there's this whole like upset with them in the streaming category. So the question yeah. becomes with them owning Rocky Horror, how's that going to go for streaming rights? Mm-hmm. Because um, I know a lot of people now. The atmosphere is changing where you can Netflix and show watching Rocky Horror how's that going to go? I
1: I think streaming is hurting film buffs Because, because it used to be just Netflix and Hulu and it was really easy and accessible to find certain films to stream or even rent but now, because streaming's taking off, everybody's complementalizing their own. So you've got to but subscribe it's, to 50, 50 channels yeah, just to get yeah. all the movies But it's also
0: watch. hurting the cult following, because Tony and I were we've been trying to like find the Rocky Horror Show, and it used to be at this one Studio movie theater. Studio 35. Yeah, Studio 35. I think it
2: still is. It's probably next week, and it's usually the first. Isn't it like the first Saturday of the month? Yeah, it feels
0: like they haven't been doing it as often, okay. though. Like I remember they used to be saying yeah. that. I don't know if it's the same place, but I was told uh, the Rocky Horror show used to be played like once every two weeks or once every it month was, somewhere in yeah. Columbus. Now it's not as often. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had it last night. Oh, did they? 35. Was it
2: last night? Yeah. Okay. Like
0: I said, Disney's allowing Maybe that pro- yeah. but it.
2: Maybe that's for Halloween. But I think yeah. their normal schedule is like the first or second. But they also do Saturday it differently
0: at, some... at Studio 35. Yeah. They have like a BDSM night and different things. It's kind of fun. It's been playing at the Linux the last. Has it? Really? Yeah. Really? Even today?
2: I didn't know that. I want to go see it.
4: Yeah, it's on today. <gasps> yeah. Well,
2: before we get going, okay, let me share. Why? Yeah. Yeah. Like you save, the best for, save the best for last. Okay, so I have a really special relationship with this movie. Okay, so let me just start by saying my older sister, Cindy, i have a, uh, my sister, she's about eight years older than me, when I was growing up, I completely idolized her. She was so cool, and I did anything she did, and I wanted to be just like her, and um, whenever she would leave i'd sneak into her room and play with her makeup and hair things and rifle through her music and so i i got a lot of my taste i think from my sister cindy in many ways when it comes to movies and music and um i remember stumbling upon one day the rocky horror picture show vhs and it had the big red lips on the cover Mm -hmm. and i didn't rocky horror i was too i was about eight years old maybe I was really, maybe seven even, honestly. I, I, didn't, I couldn't really comprehend what that was. I didn't know what Rocky Horror Picture Show meant. I used to call it the Red lit movie. <laughs>
3: yeah, that is a different red, connotation. Exactly. <laughs> I just
2: called it the Red lit movie. And I remember popping it in. Because like I found great joy and solace in watching films. I mean, when my, my parents divorced when I was really young, and I'm the youngest of three sisters, and a lot of times I'd find myself maybe alone in the living room, and I would watch movies. Mm -hmm. And Wizard of Oz was my first movie that I loved to watch. And um, so, yeah, when I have alone time or whatever, I found a lot of joy in movies. And so I was in a room one day, found the VHS. Oh, what's this? Okay. So I put it in. And I loved the fact that it was a musical, you know, because coming from movies like Wizard of Oz and I love all the old classics. I love musicals. So that really excited me. And then as the movie went on, I realized... This is sexual. Again, I I didn't know what that meant, right? I was like seven or eight years old. You understood that at like seven, eight, nine years old? I (laughs) did, absolutely. I knew that I shouldn't have been watching it. Was this
0: your Birds and the Bees?
2: Kind of. So like I, I knew I was very much aware that I shouldn't be watching this movie, which made me love it and want to watch it even more. Right. And Dirty so then, girl. so then it literally became like a guilty pleasure. Like I would, anytime Cindy be gone, I'd sneak back in and I'd watch it, and I just loved it. I loved the music. I would laugh at Tim Curry. Did I get all the jokes? No, but I, I got the comedy in it. And again, I knew that it was something that was adult, and that I should had no business watching. Um, which made I, you want to watch it more? Which made me want to watch it yeah. more, and I knew it was brilliant, though you know. And I remember being, and I say this like, I don't know, like I'm not trying to be like TMI or anything like that, but I remember being like really attracted to this movie. Like I don't want to know, I don't want to say that at eight years old I was aroused by it. That came later. It piqued
0: uh-huh. your interest.
2: Yes, and I exactly, and, and I've always kind of, you know, I'm Italian. We're passionate people, so I don't know. I just found. This movie was, like, my little secret, you know, thing. And then when I got into middle school and it kind of became a little bit more, I guess, accepted that, like, I loved it. Then I got the soundtrack. Then I got my own video version of it, you know, and my parents were okay with that. And I remember Cindy would – it kind of, like, became our sister movie, you know, because I confessed to – sneaking into her room and watching it, and she thought that was really cool, and and my sisters know I love it. It's just one of those things now that a lot of people know about me um, as being an interest of mine, but yeah, so I don't know, like this movie just kind of holds a special place in my heart, because it was a movie I feel like I found on my own, you know, and, and for, for a while it was just like my movie, um, and it's just so great, you know, I love it so much. I kind of, I grew up watching it, and like I said earlier, I think a lot of elements about the film kind of shaped who I am when it comes to my comedy, my, my my sensibilities, my taste in that area.
1: Oh, I definitely see that. This is you definitely know? a Tony movie. Yeah. 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 Would you put it in your top ten favorite movies? I'm just wondering. I know <laughs> yeah. it's hard
3: to yeah. decide. It's it's
2: so hard to say and um, of course that's why people like us have a movie podcasts because we really love and respect so many movies. Yeah. But if somebody said to me, Okay Tony, what are like your coming of age movies or what are the top ten movies for you? that you grew up with, that you would, say, define your taste, or it probably would be. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, would, I would have to say that it would be. It was one of those movies for me. And I remember being in middle school after Cindy bought me my own VHS, just watching it and just having it on in the background mm-hmm. and the music. I mean, it's such a huge part of, of my taste. And and it brings me a lot of joy. It's a fun movie. It's, it's a little lighthearted. I mean, there's nothing really serious or detrimental about it. It's um,
0: It's got some for everybody. Yeah, it's yeah. quirky.
2: It's, it's got, it's just, it's, um, you know, but it's also sexual. It's, it's got the music. It's got the humor. It's got the sci-fi. It has so many elements of movies, uh, so many elements that I love. Well, they you know, actually, all in one.
0: It's like the K-pop of the movies. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it's,
4: it's interesting because they did a, a Fox Live version of this movie, or the play, with it about three, four years ago. And it ago. was terrible. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they—they they, it wasn't. Tim Curry played the criminologist, which is probably my favorite character and then
3: um, <laughs> I can see Scott playing
1: him. <laughs> you know, you know who was originally up for that role? Who, who wanted to play it was Vincent Price. Oh, oh my goodness! Oh, Vincent Price to wanted. Oh. To, oh. Speaking of thriller, mm-hmm. uh, he actually saw the play and loved it. The play, yeah. yeah. And wanted it, and there's another figure who wanted to be in this movie. Who? Elvis Presley wanted to play Eddie. Oh my wow. god! Oh. And they—they they said no because. I guess the creators really wanted to keep it to a low-key cast yeah, that wasn't that yeah. well-known. Mm-hmm. Probably for the kitsch factor. Was, he, he bring Elvis in there and he's going to steal the spotlight. Oh, list.
4: I would say that. I disagree. I would have loved to see Elvis. It's,
1: Bad Elvis too, we would have been I, it. Think, I Elvis. think
4: it goes
0: yeah. back to the outlier, you know, like they were trying to appeal to where uh, Tim Curry, let's remember back in that time, was pretty much a nobody. Exactly. No, yeah. Yeah. So
2: was Susan Sarandon. Yeah.
0: yeah. So Who I didn't know. People was in made movie. their careers because <laughs> of Rocky Horror. Rocky yeah. Horror didn't have anyone because of their career.
1: Right, think, but it could have. But the studio gave them a lower budget in order to maintain that cast because mm-hmm. I think they were pushing to get people like Elvis in the movie mm-hmm. and maybe even a Vincent Price, people that were recognizable and well known yeah. at that. It's
4: point. interesting because people. If you ask people about Rocky Horror Picture Show, everybody knows Tim Curry's. I mean, that's probably the main thing people know is Tim Curry's in this movie mm-hmm. and he's great. They don't know the meatloaf for Susan Sarandon in it. Most they if you've never it. seen it, yeah, yeah. When you watch it like Susan Sarandon, like you forget how long she's been acting. Yeah, like that, that was like.
1: The I mean, 75, yeah. yeah. Well,
4: I don't know. What was her breakout role? I probably Del well, maybe
2: maybe? Well, that's when she
4: became a household That was me, probably
1: the height of everyone it. Had, but she was an established actress for Absolutely, the
2: yeah, yeah. So. Paul yeah.
4: Durham was, like, a big She girl. was yeah,
2: married Paul to Durham. Chris Sarandon, who played um, Prince Humperdinck yes. in Princess yes. Bride. Oh,
3: <laughs> also, and she, Bright And night. she
2: kept his name. And know, Tim Robbins, I remember. what she meant. Well, that was after. But Sarandon comes from Chris Sarandon, and they were married at the time. She did Rocky Horror, and she kept the name. Because it's a good name, Susan Sarandon and the alliteration just sounds got it.
4: She said she was in this movie because she knew Tim Curry. Yeah. And she visited him and she was afraid to sing.
2: Yeah. She, she was not the best singer. and That's right. not her strength.
4: But it worked in the
1: movie. It worked
2: because it was so true to the character of Janet. You know?
1: Well, she's versatile. She can play this kitsch oriented humor but she can also do ultra serious roles that she did later on or also just but a wide range of different but
0: also the fact that she was uncomfortable played into it because jenna was insecure
2: with her sexuality exactly and so that translated well they
4: gave it to her because i think she could do the comedy Mm -hmm. the other people could sing but they couldn't do the comedy and
1: and bat out of hell would not have existed without this (laughs) Clearly, this is what started meatloaf's Career, yeah, I think, absolutely. as far as people saw this movie and said, "This guy," because Bat in the Hill's is kind of over the top and flamboyant in its own way, and with a lot of the same like mm-hmm. '50s style pastiche yeah. type of songs like *Paradise by the Dashboard Light*, oh, could yeah. easily even into this *I Would movie. Do
2: Anything for Love* is such a. Yeah, it, there, you, you can see the kind of ties of Rocky Horror was, in that song because it's just so grandiose
4: he was in the original play right Meatloaf yeah he was he was in the Rocky Horror Show Richard O'Brien, O'Brien. Production. Yeah. Yeah, Richard O'Brien yeah. and the lady that played Magenta and Elvis came to uh, see the production
2: what's her name uh, Patricia Quinn Patricia Quinn and then Little Nell played Columbia when I was a little girl Columbia was my favorite I mean, of course, Tim Curry, but I liked Columbia. She's the one that Eddie... The tap dancer, yeah. 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 I thought she was cute, and I liked that she was a tap dancer.
1: (laughs) Well, I guess uh, Elvis came to see Meatloaf in the production. I read about this, Mm -hmm. the Rocky Horror Show on Broadway... And I guess everybody was trying to do an Elvis impersonation with the role, and Meatloaf was the one who decided not to do that, and Elvis actually commended him, saying, I'm actually yeah. glad that you didn't do a full-fledged yeah. impersonation of
2: me. Yeah, he was his own thing.
1: I'm just shocked Elvis was seeing this play at all. This is not the, the image I had of Elvis.
0: Well, because Elvis. The, the media at the time wants to make you clean-cut and wholesome and everything. Yes. Let's remember, this is that weird transformation time, the 70s. I mean, yeah. you had everything from the funkadelic disco starting to die out, turning into the hip-hop scene, You had the whole LGBT scene and everything. So people didn't know where they were coming or going. And I'm pretty sure at that time... I mean, let's remember Elvis what did he die of like pills or something like yes. that. He, he over- so, let's remember was born
1: the a, exact same day I was, there was, uh, a, was born a, the exact same day he died. There's <laughs> a lot of
0: things we didn't know were going behind the scenes even of the you know the rambunctious ones. I mean, Rolling Stones and drugs, you know, or you're talking about uh, all the different bands. I mean, you had yeah. Jim Morrison and the Doors. Yeah. You didn't know about a lot of these problems until after the fact because mm-hmm. everyone wants to make it still wholesome and clean cut because you're worried about the parents. Yeah. So it's no wonder, Elvis, you didn't know about these things until after the fact. I mean, you didn't yeah. think Elvis had a will problem until he died.
1: Yeah. I, I'm wondering that Elvis was much more in tune with things in the culture and had much sharper instincts, with, especially with comedy and, mm-hmm. and movies than I thought because he yeah. loved Steve Martin at the yeah. beginning of Steve Martin's career. Uh, he was a Python fan, and he watched Doctor Strangelove mm-hmm. incessantly, so he loved all this like really good, oh, and, was you know, really good art good comedy. I'm sorry. Go oh ahead.
2: no, I just was gonna say, and you know, one of the things about Rocky Horror too, when I think back about you know seven, eight year old Tony watching this, even though it is incredibly flamboyant, over the top, sexualized, you know, I mean, look at the out, you know, the whole floor show scene when they're all in the drag just outfits, the outfits, exactly, and you see little nails, little nip slip, um, <laughs> yeah. and what, and Rocky's like. Yeah. Erection, you know, you're like, "Oh my gosh, um, in a weird way, there's a there's an element of innocence about the movie." Mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. In a
2: really strange way because it's not it's not 100% one way. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and there's still the innocence in the characters like that last mm-hmm. scene, you know, where Frank and kind of like fighting for his life, there's an innocence there. It's really obs- obscure, but and I yeah. think I I think as a kid I felt that if that makes any sense. Well, there, there, there's, you know, a, you know, there's... like
1: a... Yeah. It's, it's not a sincere movie at all, but no, it's sincere it's a, in, in that element. Like, it, it's, it's meant to be entertaining. You're supposed yeah. to like these characters mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Well,
0: what I was going to say is, you know, like, what's interesting about the Rocky Horror Picture Show, like, when you say it's sexualized, if you look at how the cast is dressed and all the different states of, you know, um, dress they have, whether it's clean cut to the most risque... They're all forms of what sexual kinks were at the time, whether mm-hmm. it's from the boudoir, the showgirl. You had the horror show as well with Elvira in that scene and everything. Which,
2: I love Elvira. So
0: <laughs> it's like, it was definitely meant to be sexual at the time. Yes. That was never hidden yeah. to no. the point it was supposed to be ambiguous. You had the exactly. androgynous tones, you had the LGBT questioning it. I'm pretty sure if they shot it today, you would have probably had the whole transsexual scene. You know, scene I,
2: think, I think the reason for me there's a quality of innocence there is because it's so authentic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're exactly right. There's nothing hidden, you know, so there's there's a little bit of innocence in that. Mm-hmm. You know, in the same way that, you know,
0: it's not thrust in your face. It's well, casually Well, exactly. In the exactly.
2: Like, you know, if you're, you know, same same thing like certain sex scenes they're obviously having sex there's nothing like quote unquote innocent about that but the way that it's done it could be really innocent you like know what Frank I mean there's in the, like um, yeah. the bedroom
0: with uh, Janet and yeah it's Maria. like very yeah.
2: playful and almost, and almost childlike in a way yeah you know exactly thank you that's a good example of what I'm trying to say oh absolutely
1: absolutely
4: so Barry Boswick's your favorite character in <laughs>
2: Barry Bostwick? No, I said when I was a little girl, I liked Little Nell. That was, she played Columbia, the tap dancer. Yeah. Um, no, I do think Barry Boswick is, uh, you know, he was cute. Um, He's good. I, I'll tell you what, I love him in the floor show when he does the leg. You know, it's beyond me. Help me, Mommy. There's a different side of him that we see. Um, and, yeah, I think his character, you know, the character progression of the two of them, Brad and Janet, from where they started to where they are at the end you know their sexual awakening if you will oh. Um, but no I thought Barry Boswick did a great job He he's yeah. I mean he proved himself in the 90s when he was on what was that sitcom Spence, Spence, he's, Spence, city. He was he's hilarious, he's, he's, hilarious. Yeah, he's you know he's good he was, looking it was, it was, um, yeah
1: he was hilarious yeah at, I think there. he was yeah. a great I forgot fit, about that. a great <laughs> yeah. fit,
2: fit for Brad you know yeah, um,
1: yeah he's funny like the folk yeah. dancing a yeah. oh, oh, little folk Like he's uh-huh. playing like, I, I, yeah. he
4: plays it really well he, he plays a
2: square he's kind of like that nerdy squarey guy that's a John
4: Waters thing too totally Baby was on today. I was watching. Was it? it and I it, love it. And they're it. dancing through the streets, with doing the hop. Oh my god! I love the one yeah, with yeah.
2: the song and Crybaby, and that's another movie I love, which is also a musical. Yeah. The par- part where she's like, um, "Please, Mister Jailer," when she's like yeah. singing to him when he's in jail. It's so. Over the top. I
4: love, but I love that. Like, this is Richard O'Brien's like favorite things he just threw yes. in the movie, and yeah. the, the specificity that I think that's why it appeals. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this appeals to specific because. He just put all his favorite things mm-hmm. in the monster movies and this this you know the the
2: music movie, the
1: LGBT, like the yeah. sexualization.
2: Yeah, because he was homosexual. Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I, the movie was directed by a guy named Jim Sharman, who I think he partnered with to do the theatrical production. Mm-hmm. I think he directed the theatrical production, but this is really Richard O'Brien's film. Baby, I think yeah. that this is really mm-hmm. he's yeah. kind of the maestro behind yeah. this whole mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. enterprise.
2: Absolutely, but, without a doubt.
1: And he's
4: still creepy with that voice, like that. Oh, <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: he's got right? a great Igor, Igor, like and, yeah.
4: welcome,
0: yeah. you know, whatever. He sounds like
1: Boo Berry. <laughs> <from> yeah, Boo- <laughs> <laughs> Peter Laurie kind but of voice. you know what
0: I think is interesting about this movie as well? Like circling back to. Tim Curry. He's a very private and reserved person. If you ever try to look him up, you can't find much yeah. about him. Mm-hmm. You probably know more about Tim Curry through Rocky Horror where he lets himself shine through mm-hmm. than others. I mean, people are like always questioning for years, is he gay or did he just play that? And we didn't find out until like the 1990s, late 2000s. Like, no, he is in fact gay mm-hmm. and he doesn't even talk about his partner or anything yeah. like that. I mean... Uh, Elton John, who is still more reserved, is uh, more open than Tim Curry. I mean, it was only like a couple of years ago we found out Eminem gave Elton John and his partner diamond studded cock rings. I mean, it, it's like you don't wow, even hear I didn't these. I know that. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, it's a whole backstory. we we'll to talk about all and that. Eminem, he seems
2: so homophobic, so that's an odd thing. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. You, yeah. you have to understand the backstory okay. Stain, but that's that's, part a, that's another,
0: another podcast, side pile. Okay.
2: You know. the, uh,
4: I, I think. Tim Curry didn't talk about this movie for a long time because some of the fans of this movie were very... He had bad experiences with some fans of
0: because of the Probably way he's depicted in this
4: movie, yeah. so it's was like, mm-hmm. kind of, he didn't talk about it for a
0: long time. Well, let's remember what I said earlier, it yeah. was that outlet for a lot of the outliers, yeah. so they felt like Tim Curry was one of them, yeah. and he was yeah. part of that, you know, clan, and so the problem is with a lot of people that, if yeah. you're in that outlier situation, when you find somebody who's like, oh, they're one of us, you tend to, like, cling to them and gravitate towards them, like, Tony and I, we tend to gravitate yeah. and have coffee and everything, even though we're so busy, because... Whenever we hang out, we have a great time. We have a lot of laughs, and it's just, you know, it's very relaxing. Like, we always plan ours at the end of the day because we know it's like, okay, we can finally relax and, exactly. you know, forget yeah. the stress. Well,
2: I think there's that authenticity. There's that level of being able to relate. And so that's why the fans, you know, when exactly. they, they, they look at Tim Curry and they think he is Frankenfurter, or, or there's elements about him personally or professionally <laughs> that they resonate with. You know, it's the same yeah. way. Uh, now, now, sometimes people take that a little too far. Yeah. But, you know, and when you have to consider a role like Frankenfurter and Tim Curry's performance in this, just speaking from, on, like, a personal level, if I was in, you know, like Audrey Hepburn, okay, was in Breakfast at Tiffany's, that movie defined her, but she did mm-hmm. so much more than that. And, you know, there are times, and I can get it, where, where Tim Curry and would want to say, hey, I did that thing, okay, it mm-hmm. was amazing, It was, it was awesome, it's still lasting, I love it. I'm proud to be a part of it, but I'm also doing these things too, mm-hmm. you know. And I get that where, like, where you would want to not just be pigeonholed into right. one aspect of your career or your life mm-hmm. because you are human and you are doing other things that might just be as remarkable. So you, you know, right. say your yeah. point
0: is like maybe that they're they're forgetting that Tim Curry is an actor who played a character that put exactly. his piece in it. Right. Like exactly. whereas people are like still remember Keanu Reeves for either. Um, Bill and Ted. Bill and Ted, mm-hmm. or yeah. being Neo. The, and exactly. they still can't forget, they can't get out of the fact that he's done all these other things, like exactly. John Wick and all these other, and he puts himself into that character, but it's only a piece of him, it's not the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well,
1: a great example of that, this happened to the Beatles a lot, obviously. They attracted a lot of fans who were looking for hidden meanings in their songs mm. and stuff like that. And there's footage out there, and to his credit... John Lennon would listen to these guys, like actually talk to him. He would sit down, give them a coffee and spend time with them for a few minutes, but he would be honest, like, oh that's not what I meant. That's a Paul song, or, you know, because yeah. they would just assume they because it's Lennon McCartney, one or the they both wrote it. Yeah. And the guy that he was talking to was I think it might have been in the Imagine movie, was not well. You could tell that he was struggling. Mm-hmm. But the humanity he he gave to that guy, just sitting down to talk to him, was great. Unfortunately there's a dark side and we all know what happened with yeah. that. it ultimately yeah. ended with his death. Um, so Tim Curry's yeah. probably, and that, you know, that was post cautious. John Lennon's assassination, exactly. so I can see why Tim exactly. Curry would be very paranoid. And, and I time. can see
2: why he would be a little, you know, like um, again, sort of that. Hey, yeah, I, I was a part of that amazing project, and it's incredible, and it's yeah. lasting. But I'm also doing these things too. You know, like I, you don't want to just be known for that one thing to define you. It's just not fair.
4: I think he, yeah, I, it didn't sound like from what I was reading. It was, it was, seemed like it was more like his. He had some bad interactions with fans. Mm-hmm. And Who now got, he talks about now he talks about it, you know, because I think there's so much time has passed. And he had a stroke, I think. I know, yeah, he's he in a wheelchair. Yeah. 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 It's, it's really that, really, sad. that just That's, breaks my heart yeah. to see him
2: that way. It really does. But uh, he,
4: I think now he... I, I think they all... Everybody in that movie has much more of a, I, mean, I, I saw an interview with Susan Sarandon, and she was saying, like, people always thought that I thought negatively of this. Like, never thought negatively about this movie. Yeah. You know, it's just like... Um, I'm proud of it. It's like, you know mm-hmm. I know yeah.
1: she had issues with, with the actors getting residuals from the DVD and video releases of the film. That's what not can, get not getting
2: Yeah, not and you getting, can't blame her yeah. for that. Yeah, I mean, her yeah. Oh,
1: yeah.
0: financial she's yeah. never uh, yeah. you know been ashamed of no. her work no, or anything. No, no, no. And, no. No. and, and a, I don't
2: think Tim Curry is either. I just you know, and but but the thing is is it's so interesting with Tim Curry, and we talked yeah. about this earlier. He tends to choose really well. He takes on these roles that are so iconic, like it, Frankenberger clue you know that people just instantly think of him as that role
0: but that's because he makes it that's his. what i mean yeah, exactly I it, yeah. so there's that blessing
2: yeah. and that curse kind of because he's so good he makes the role there's people does. who exactly. adapt to the role and people exactly. who adapt the
0: role to them and yeah. he is yeah. the exactly
2: yeah. and and sometimes there's a there's a curse in that in a way mm-hmm. because then people get so fixated yes. on that him being that person you know, that, that Right, role. the reason
0: why a lot of people don't like the Rocky Horror Picture Show, the play, you know, or even if they did a remake, is because Tim we be, we think of Rocky Horror Picture Show with Tim Curry, and if we don't have that same chemistry that Tim Curry had throughout the movie, mm-hmm. it falls flat, and it's very yeah. hard to copy another person's energy.
2: Think about the new, the new remakes of It, which is a totally different movie than the original miniseries. Mm-hmm. It is its own thing. Mm-hmm. Sean and I saw it together in the theater. Yes, we did. Yeah. Um, and what did we both say? Tim Curry, you can't. It's so hard to do that character Pennywise and not. Tim Curry created such a.
1: Tim Curry's was more like like he embraced the flamboyance of that character. Yes. This was more like the Heath Ledger Joker. I forget the name of the actor who plays Pennywise off the it's, the new.
2: Oh, uh, it's his Bill Skarsgård? Scar. yeah,
1: he yeah. does a good he's job. Fantastic, but he's, he's it's a same. different vibe altogether. It's kind of yeah, like Heath Ledger's different. Joker.
2: But 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 I bet you, if you did a panel and and people who said, "Okay, yeah, they saw the miniseries when they were a kid, maybe my age, because it came out, I think, in '90." So mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. and then they went and saw the new It movie now. Even though the new It movie is its its own thing, it's totally separate. I bet you, the majority of the people would come out and say, "Oh, it was a decent movie. You know, was I screamed a little? It scared me a little bit. It was good. I like the storyline." but Tim Curry's a better Pennywise.
0: Yeah. That's mm-hmm.
2: probably going to be the general consensus. It's like the
0: same thing with Batman. You'll have people that have a different version of you know Batman they like or yeah. like James Bond with me. It's like, for me, Sean Connery is always going to be the number one Bond. I don't care what you say. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Tim Curry in exactly. Rocky Horror exactly. Picture exactly. Show or It, yeah. you know. Right. It's just, you grow up, and I, I wonder how much of it has to do with the nostalgia of when we saw that growing up, that's fixated into our mind as a childhood memory, and if you tamper right. with that in any way, it makes you just scream internally. But
2: I would argue, in the actor's defense, actor, mean, people like Tim Curry, like Audrey Hepburn, if they made a breakfast at Tiffany's remake, first of all, if they ever do that, I will be livid, yeah. but it would never compare. To so Audrey, I don't care if you've got the best actress. Whoever the best actress in the world would be considered today, Meryl Streep. I think if you've Natalie got Portman Meryl Streep, would be well, I mean, this, she yeah. looks like it, but she still wouldn't do it as well as Audrey. She just you wouldn't. Know. And I like Natalie Portman. Well, Norman, so I think the
0: important thing is when they do that, don't try to, you know, remake what has already been done. Even
2: if they did it completely different, I
0: say they need to make it towards the character and the time that you know it's currently set in because like let's say there are ways you could make breakfast at tiffany's and make it in a modern setting and mm-hmm. it still fits even though back then it was still set in a more uh, was it like not no
2: it was of its time it was in the 60s okay it so was, it was
0: yeah so for then it would be fine but if you tried to make breakfast at tiffany's now set in the 60s it would not work if you tried to remake it in the 2019 era, update a few things on it like uh, you know maybe even change a few things like instead of you know from this tide of London you can maybe switch it to you know oh she's from a, Manchester in instead
2: New York <laughs> regardless my point is, my point in saying all that is that that is I'm the I'm thinking Testament. of my
1: for a lady that's why. yeah
2: you're thinking of my for a lady <laughs> It is when Rex Harrison
1: yeah, exactly. came out and started talk singing to... Hey,
2: I was close. I was you close. You were I still... Think, un- I think what my I'm lady, to say
1: so is, is a different... Like, because
2: that's a musical. So yeah, that's, that's a little always been read Exactly. But when you have an iconic character, like yeah. Pennywise, like Frankenfurter, like Holly Golightly, and, and the and the initial role, the initial production of when you saw first saw that character was so remarkable and so outstanding and so... Timeless mm-hmm. and resonated with so many people. I mean, how many I, I, you could scale any college university dorm, and I will bet you that poster of Audrey Hepburn is on half the walls in the rooms, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And that's the testament of a good character and a good a good actor, a good representation. And so it's so hard mm-hmm. to to redo that. You just but
0: what I think right. is also important is like the '70s had a lot of um, transformation in the movie scene. I mean. We had, at the same time, Animal House, which was changing its own dynamic. He loves that. Uh, that's that's fine. Let's remember, that was the epitome of raunchy at the time. Yeah. And there was this big debate about a vomiting scene when Flounder was supposed to throw up. They didn't include it. Another movie went around with it. And they were breaking doors down in a different way. So I think it was all it goes back into this whole time of experimentation in many different regards. Yeah. It, the 70s were a fun time when you look at it. It was kind of yeah. crazy as well. Yeah. yeah. But everyone was trying different things. I mean, you look back at the outfits, it's like, that did not work, but props to you for trying. Right. Well,
2: I think, to your point, yeah, you know, the 70s was a really, it was, a, was a unique time of exploration in, in culture, pop culture and right. music and movies. It was. And style and fashion. Um.
0: I think it was it, the first was time to really a unique, express yourself. That's
2: what I mean. Yeah, people were doing different things. They were breaking the 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 classic societal norms from yeah. the sixties they were that's the
1: sexual revolution to exactly, place exactly. uh, women they called it a women's lib. lib at the time right. there was
2: a lot happening in the seventies that were was changing uh, also were,
1: dark though because yeah. the, the drugs went from
2: yes
0: peace and love to like people were like people were going cocaine drugs yeah. yeah. right. yeah. and it was just I think everyone in America and the Western civilization was in a time of trying to find who they were I yeah think that's exactly what it's right well the, the they were break- <laughs> yeah. yeah the ultimate
1: breakdown and there are parallels to now, Watergate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The the People were starting to not trust the government anymore. They yep. weren't taking everything the government but was telling them at face value. But also they were value. listening to... Which is, by the way, in the movie when they're listening to Nixon's resignation speech <laughs> on the way to the yeah, castle. You right. started to see a yeah. disintegration
0: yeah. of the moral laws that had to be around... Like I mean, let's remember at this time, people were actually getting arrested for blowjobs in their own home. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're talking about...
2: <laughs> How do you know all this stuff? Well, like it
0: goes into the I gay documentaries know. and yeah, things uh, like yeah. that because there were actually yeah. gay clubs that were broken up and yeah. police and everything. Oh, yeah, like, wasn't uh, it like the i think it's the stonewall tavern was the big one or stonewall the, yeah.
3: yeah yeah so yeah. we
0: had all these things going on everyone's trying to figure out a sense of identity and no longer is the whole idea of you know just shut up be quiet in your corner mm-hmm. and you know keep to yourself about what your own sexual proclivities any you know things you're interested in or any things like that that may be outside of the norm of society exactly you, you mean let's remember comic books had a moral code back then too yes. you had to be pro-america you had to have certain ways and even if you look at wonder woman has anyone actually read the old-fashioned wonder woman and how they hid BDSM? oh yeah it was that? created by the guy it's like yeah, they it would a- skirt the line i mean to the point that the comic book would actually go in oh you drew a line that shows she has some cleavage we got to erase that line that's too risque the the, the whole moral code was starting to disintegrate and Rocky Horror was kind of uh, a
2: forefront of that yeah Yeah. but
0: I think that's because it came from a more British they were more open let's remember Mm -hmm. TV today you still can't curse on it British TV I think it's like past 8 or 9 o'clock I have a British aunt and a British ex that's why I know this senses are off. You can curse yeah. as much as you want. Titties are out. You know. I, I have a point on that. Why? <laughs>
1: yeah. Why do Americans have this impers- impression of the British being uptight and stuffy? They're, really they're not. Bad. But they're the yeah. ones that are on the vanguard. Like they, yeah. were the, they punk rock, they embraced immediately.
2: Mm-hmm. Monty, Python, Monty Python, comedy. Yeah.
1: And so, why does America have yeah. this perception
0: of the British being? I think it's said, a leftover uh, from the revolution. I always felt like your yeah.
2: dad should be British. He, <laughs> I feel like he is British at heart. When in
0: fact, America is the most puritanical oh, yeah. you know what I mean? still today. I know I lived in Europe and it's like I had so many walls shattered when I lived in Europe it's funny and then I I come back here I think it is though I think in Britain
4: they do have more social anxiety Mm. about certain things they do because they have the The
0: royalty and and, and they do talk about that And, and someone was saying um They beat around the bush a lot with different things, and uh, Americans are a bit. Yeah, our perception of British, but we're still
4: more prude. It's it's funny. (laughs) It's like our perception of the British is different than their own perception of themselves. We we view them as like, oh, they're really like they're into all this stuff, but their their perception is like, oh,
0: we're. I think that has to do with more British have interacted with Americans than Americans have interacted with British. Yeah, exactly. I mean, most Americans have only interacted with other Americans, maybe some Mexicans and people that have come immigrating here, but. You know, Ohio may be Canadian, but it's that's the difference I've noticed.
2: Yeah. You know, I think to, to your point, to what I think what we're all really thinking and trying to say when we think about Rocky Horror Picture Show and the impact and the time that it came out is when you think about art, when you think about music, film, um, uh, fashion in ni- In the mid in the mid seventies nineteen seventy five there were so many things that were groundbreaking that were happening. I think it was SNL came out for the first time. Oh, yeah. You know that was a, that was the first thing of its kind. But but not only were people exploring themselves and a, a different way of of having a different society, but the world was becoming more gritty and more real. Listen, you can listen to a, a Who song. After 1975, and listen to one in 1965. I guarantee it's a totally different tone. A totally, think about. You know, Boris the Spider versus yeah. We Won't Get Fooled Again. Or think about yeah. Richard you know? Pryor. Well, no. But what I guess what I'm, what I'm trying to say is the shift. Well, I prefer the 60s Yeah, here, by the
0: way. But <laughs> okay. I'm just saying, like, think <laughs> about <laughs> it. Richard <laughs> but Pryor. But things got
2: yeah. more gritty. Things no, got more did. real. They think were. about movies. Movies they like were. Taxi Driver versus Breakfast at Tiffany's where it's real glossy and fun.
0: Well, well it all
2: started the, with things the new Hollywood. Were really, yes, things are really shifting. <laughs> In in music and film and in, in, in lifestyle in the White House, well, I mean the world. It was like somebody took the wool off of everybody's eyes, and we're starting to see it for what it really is. Well,
0: we were in the Cold War, and the whole mo at the time was don't think about the world as it really is. Let's have a fantasy land to have That's everyone pulled out yeah. of it. Yeah. And then it was like suddenly this light switch after the you know the peace and love movement, right. where everyone's like, okay, we're going to talk about real things. Like even if you look at like to your point about movies, even compare comedy. Mm -hmm. 1960s comedy to 1970s comedy Exactly I mean Richard Pryor would have never been on the airwaves In the 1960s And then you start seeing him come up and everything I mean well let's face it in the first place Black comedy that wasn't stereotypical that was a new thing where we actually starting to see people being represented as they really were. Mm-hmm. You had a whole bunch of sitcoms about Hang black families. Hang on, I'm going to pause
2: you right there. That is exactly what I think we're all trying to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People were being represented as they really were.
1: Yeah. yeah, exactly.
2: In film, in music, you know, in the White House, in the media, in, you know, the streets, mm-hmm. people were being represent, represented for the first time probably ever or in a very, very, very long time as they really were
1: and i think it starts with big people like you know bob dylan when he mm-hmm. started out uh-huh. as a folk singer and he yeah. eventually went to Electric, and his lyrics were so
0: different. at the time. I think Canada, that was like one of the, the early
1: catalysts of bringing <laughs> countercultural ideas mm-hmm. into the mainstream. Yeah. And that's what catalog- that, that started the whole 60s rock revolution, which was the beginning mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. And then it went into film with Bonnie and Clyde and the graduate being at the vanguard of that. They called it the New Hollywood from like 67 yeah. to 1980. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole period yeah. we're talking yeah. about when they were mm-hmm. changing everything. Yeah.
2: Yes. We had a whole. Ch- music, everything was changing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah we had a
0: shift from you can't say that you're not allowed to say that to you shouldn't say that to
2: you just said that you really just
0: said that yeah Yeah. you know George
1: Carlin was absolutely you know encapsulated with the seven dirty words you can't say on television well
0: it's like you know when I do my own music even when I rap it's like it wouldn't be allowed to do or say half the things I would if it wasn't for the things that were allowed to you know be broken down back then yeah I mean you like even compare like how things transition I mean uh, you look at music how it used to be back then. It had to be very clean. You you couldn't be too sexual with anything. You could tell what they're talking about. Like, let's go back to Frank Sinatra. You knew what he was talking about, but he wasn't being so obvious. You jump forward another decade. You get the 60s. Oh, it's very obvious here. You know, magic carpet ride, everything like that. You can get double <laughs> uh, innuendos. Yeah. You can yeah. talk, you can look at it either as a way he's talking about sex or drugs or both. And then you jump forward and it's now everyday. That's everyday language. Where nowadays uh we can actually say that's what she said to anything, and any everyone will crack up. your grandmother may go that's a little uncomfortable that' right
3: yeah mm-hmm. yeah
1: so to wrap up uh how does everybody feel revisiting Rocky Horror does it hold up for you? What's your overall thoughts on it? We'll start with the Tony, and Goku. of
2: course. <laughs> I, I think if you've never seen it, you need to do yourself the give yourself over to absolute pleasure <laughs> and uh, see the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And you know, I just encourage folks to keep an open mind, keep a light heart, don't take it for anything other than what it is, um, and uh, just enjoy it. I think it's a fantastic film adaption of the play. I love the music, I love the characters. You know, for nostalgia reasons, I think it'll always be a part of my, my life. I love the world that's created in Rocky Horror. I think it's a fun journey. It's a fun place to, to visit when I need a break from what's happening in my own world. And um, yeah, you know, I mean, is it, you know, an Oscar nominated movie? No. But again, take it for what it's worth, mm-hmm. keeping that in mind and just having fun with it. Um, I think this is a great time of the year, too be introduced mm-hmm. to Rocky Horror Picture Show because it just lends itself to Halloween and, <coughs> and um, everything that happens yeah. in the fall time. But I just think it's a great movie. One of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Phenomenal. Does it hold up for me? Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, so for me, I would definitely say it's definitely worth the watch. I would definitely recommend a decent sound system when you watch it, because the sound system is definitely the most important. So if you're using regular TV speakers, I would still recommend get at least some basic desktop speakers, plug them in, because it will help with it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's an older movie, you're not going to get picture quality, but the sound quality is important to help you understand it with the vibes and everything, because the music is what carries the story through. But... Be prepared to like open your mind like a Pink Floyd soundtrack. Mm -hmm. I mean, hey, don't be opposed to grabbing a beanbag chair and, you know, letting it, you know, drift with you. It's a great movie to sit back and Mm -hmm. even if you want, as Tony had mentioned, have the soundtrack playing in the background. Yeah. Uh, You know but do watch it. There's a lot of different things. You can rewatch it multiple times, get multiple different meanings. And it's just a you know, great movie. You can watch it with multiple generations. You'll all get something great out of it and you'll rewatch it at different times in your life and you'll connect with it in different ways. So, mm-hmm. definitely holds up with me whether it's the first time I watched it when I was six years old to yeah. when I'm older. It's also definitely a great movie if you're on a date because most people right now haven't seen it or haven't seen it in a while so it's a
2: good it's way to kind of tell is this person going to be my person right like
0: yeah. remember i told you it's like ah. i had broken up with a girl because yeah. she didn't like mel brooks you know it's yeah. like a great way to gauge who a person yeah. really is because you can get a greater sense of overall how they are as a person you
2: know and two i just want to add one of the things i love too about rocky Horror for me is it's kind of like an old friend yeah to me it feels like an old friend you know when i watch it again
0: I like it like, It's like Girl Scout cookies. You'll never turn it that's down. That's what I mean. I'll never yeah. turn it down. It's
2: always great. It's, like, nostalgic. It feels like an old friend. I love sharing it with people. Um, I don't
0: like sharing my Girl Scout cookies.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's not... It, it's it's not for everybody, but that's okay.
0: Yeah.
4: Yeah, I like... This movie is... Um, I mean, it's not as, as much in my wheelhouse <laughs> as far as like the most rewatchable movies in there, but I do enjoy that it's out there and people enjoy shame, it. Shame, <laughs> shame. No, but I, I like it. I like all the references to the uh, the movies that I actually really really enjoy, like uh, the Bride of Frankenstein and Frankenstein and uh, the Mummy. Oh, not as much the Mummy, but just like those old King Kong, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I do appreciate it for what it is, and it's there's some great performances in it and the, and the music's good and it's, it's it's definitely well executed for what it's trying to be and um, it's just, you know, it's just a great movie that adds to a lot of variety and a lot of movies that you could see for for sure.
1: I would concur with Scott, like, uh, I, I enjoy this movie. I, I definitely, especially appreciate its place in pop culture and the influence it's had on different, mm-hmm. like, strands. Like, I think, like, when I listen to like, even punk rock records, like, from Blondie from that time period. They'll have songs like The Attack of the 50-Foot Woman or something like that. I forget the name of the song. It's off their first album. It came out a year after Rocky Horror. So this was, like, the vanguard of this kitschy yeah. culture, B-52s. It kind of flows into that a little bit with the punk and new wave movement yeah. a little bit. Um, so I really appreciate it. I think Tim Curry is amazing mm-hmm. in it. I think this is his defining performance. When people think of Tim yeah. Curry, when he passes on, this is the movie mm-hmm. people are going gonna, gonna to are point to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it jump-started so many careers, like Susan Sarandon, mm-hmm. Meatloaf. I'm not necessarily Even, as crazy about Bad at the Hell, but hey, <laughs> Meatloaf had a career because because of this. Absolutely. I mean, Tim
0: Curry definitely shot uh, uh, the spotlight because of it too. I mean, yeah, I think he had a, a an up and coming career before then, but this is what like catapulted him. Yeah,
2: well, absolutely. You know, one thing we kind of forgot to we talked about the music, but you know, the the Time Warp that song is is legendary. I mean, if they did like a it has its own dance. You know, any time that mm-hmm. you ha- you make a song and it has its own dance, it's going to be forever. Yeah. You know, I mean, think about how many people, they may not know Rocky yeah. Horror, but they know the time warp. Well, it's
0: amazing in my office where I can make two references to, you know, like, if we need to go back in time, I will say, well, somebody get a DeLorean, or I'll say, all right, it's just a jump to the left, exactly. and then everyone in the office will yes. get that reference. It's a step
2: yeah. to the right.
0: Yeah, yeah it's,
2: uh, exactly. So there's a magical quality about that. You know, it just transcends.
1: It does, you know. And I love, like, the references, like Scott does to ArKO Studios mm-hmm. I and do all too. those classic yeah. Universal Horror films and the B movies and everything. They even reference, I think, The Day They Are Stood Still, which is one of my they favorite did. films. And That's in that main song. song. Uh huh. Um, yeah.
2: And they talk about Fay Ray and King Kong. They got mm-hmm. caught in a celluloid jam.
1: <laughs> so ultimately, I'm glad I visited it and finally Good. got to watch it from beginning to end and not in snippets. I'm glad. You know. um, I'd like to say like Rocky Horror, of course, I always end the podcast by saying what's the best place to watch a movie outside of a theater. This is a movie that I see. You should see it in a the theater and it's available more than most films in the theater so you don't have to have that problem Especially with Rocky now. Horror. Yes, yeah. everybody does midnight showings everywhere. But if you can't make it to the theater, like, you're sick, <laughs> I'll say the best way to watch it is on Blu-ray. And there was a Blu-ray edition that came out in 2010, I think it was for its 30th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's supposed to be really good. I have not checked it out, obviously, mm-hmm. but uh, it's out there for people that are interested in... in and and you know,
2: Scott, you mentioned it. it's playing in Columbus right now. Where yeah, is it it's, at? it's Columbus. the Linux
1: and Gateway. And
2: oh, okay. It's at Gateway? I didn't know that.
1: So let me see. I would also say that if you live in the Columbus area or central Ohio, uh, for a lot of our listeners, uh, Studio 35 puts yeah. on a couple showings. Mm-hmm.
0: They're so the most mark. interesting yeah. and mostly interactive. Yeah. And
2: most consistent. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Uh, if you do go to the Studio 35 one, I would check the website because they usually have a theme for it. So they'll have like a kinky theme. They'll have a different you know, kind of one. So it's kind of interesting. You'll have a different crowd for every different show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, they
1: have uh, 9 o'clock
2: at the Linux. Tonight?
0: Basically every night this oh, week. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's and probably this, a Halloween yeah, thing. Yeah,
2: this is the Halloween this, this week. This is yeah. the week yeah. of
1: Halloween in 2019, everybody. Well, that's so good,
2: good like to it. know. Yeah. But
0: I will say, even if you do watch it alone, it's a great movie to watch with a group of friends. It's yeah. one of those kind. Uh, because it, it's don't feel bad if you're talking to each other while it's there. Because you're definitely going to look at each other and go... That really just freaking happen? Did that, uh-huh. and you're going to want to rewind parts to be like, yeah, that happened. Um, <laughs> that's what's great about it is it's one of those movies where it's interactive. You're kind of expected to throw things at the screen and you kind of interact with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like I would say, like if you would look at it, it kind of uh, gave inspiration to the Wayne's World, in it, you know, interacting with a movie idea.
1: Yeah, oh
3: yeah, yeah.
2: yeah. I'm sure uh, the absolutely. Wayne's World took pieces from that, from this for sure. Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah.
1: Well, I want to think Alone. For coming on the, yes. the, the uh, on the podcast for the first time. Uh, you were terrific, by the way. <laughs> uh, do you have anything to plug uh, as far as business-oriented stuff or anything?
0: Um, yeah, so I am an IT-managed service provider over at AccuNet. We're in Westerville, so you're your customizable partner in IT for all your business needs. You can check us out at accuaccu.com. as well as I do make music. Tony's actually seen some of it. I am. Um, that's going to be coming out soon. I'm just waiting for my artwork. That'll be on SoundCloud. Uh, look up Chief Geek spelled uh, well Chief G Y K. Uh, that was just the handle I've had for a while. So I'm like, eh, just throw it there. Uh, but that'll be out uh, hopefully in the next week or two. I got quite a few tracks written.
2: Oh, yeah, excellent. He's a rapper.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> We've had yeah. a lot of rappers on on this
0: podcast, yeah. probably more than any other musician. Yeah, but I'm the juice, Juselum Shady. There you
3: go.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, and that is true.
0: Yeah. yeah, like, I'm probably the only one that can actually say this kike is on the mic, you know? <laughs> oh,
2: <my>. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well, on that note, no. <laughs>
3: that,
2: that's,
1: that's a great note. Um, and how about you guys? Anything to plug, Tony, Scott?
2: No, I don't really have a whole lot in the pipeline performance-wise, this time of the year, I go a little bit dry because the holidays coming up and things happening. But um,
4: yeah, uh, the, I do stuff at the Nest Theater, so you just go to nesttheater.com and you can see shows there. And outside of that, just visit our page and give us five stars mm-hmm. or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah, visit us
2: on Facebook.
1: Mm-hmm. Visit us on Facebook, Twitter, uh, and, and continue to listen to the podcast. And thank you very much, because we've been going on four years
2: straight now. It's already been four? Co- yeah. Close to oh it, my yeah. Gosh. We'll be there,
1: so thank you for continu- to continuing to listen for those who yeah. do. Yeah. And, and enjoying uh, this
2: ride with us. Yeah.
1: Exactly, and we're going to continue on as we go. And obviously, yeah. Lone, you'll be on in the future as I well. Hope I hope to, hope to uh, yeah. come back. It's yeah. fun. Yeah. and yeah. also,
2: if you're listening and you're ever interested in being a guest, you know we always welcome new 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 people yeah. we will exactly. be, so don't hesitate to reach out um, and if you have any suggestions or tell us how you feel about Rocky Horror Picture Show
1: yeah come and give us some feedback because yeah. we'll definitely be s- posting some things this week that are related to the film as well mm-hmm. so thank you very much oh everybody. I guess
2: we can say you'll have to wait and anticipate
0: patience, patience. <laughs> uh,
1: thank you very much for listening everybody and uh, we'll see you next time take right. care bye
0: Even smiling
4: makes my face ache. Don't be upset.
0: It was a mercy killing. He had a certain naive charm, but no muscle. Wait. Janet! Dr
3: Scott! Janet! Bird!
1: Rocker! Janet! Dr Scott! Janet! Bad Rocker! Janet! Dr Scott! Janet! Bad Rocker!